Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, oh the thickest. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John. I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, let's get this bad boy started. A Backyard Bourbon broadcast winner from a selection that occurred late last night. We'll come at you a little bit later on. That's going to be our destination for tomorrow's show. I will tell you where we're going, and as I always do, I kind of leave you, and this is really depends on the nature and the attitude of those that are hosting. Uh, sometimes I give you hints to where we're going to be, if you know what I mean. Now, one time I gave us hints, and then some dude showed up and like took like five pizzas and a bottle of bourbon. <laughs> so I don't like when that happens. I don't like it when that happens, but I'll leave you some breadcrumbs, maybe some popcorn like the Brady Bunch. I'll leave you a bit of a trail to see just maybe if we can be tracked down coming up tomorrow. It is our first backyard bourbon broadcast. Heaven Hill Distillery, Evan Williams. Our friend Brent Halverson will be there. We've got Ford's Garage and Richard's rocking the food. Bells is there. Our good friend Ryan Stoltz will be in the house. This is going to be outstanding. I'll let you know who's going to host coming up a little bit later on in the show. You know, this is a great attitude. This is a great attitude to have. You guys know what I'm talking about? The great attitude to have is knowing your worth. And knowing your worth is likely not going to change and certainly is going to be on the rise. Knowing your worth. And I don't think there's any doubt. And even if you call him a number two, even if you say, you know what, he's not worth number one money. Michael Pittman Jr. when asked regarding a possibility of an extension, you know, basically said, I don't really expect if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't happen, then yeah, I would play my contract out. Of course he wants one. But that's the difference, right? That is the difference between that position in the NFL. Who do you think, just as a player, and, and just, again, just as a player, who would you expect if they were in 
the opening week lineup and played every week, who do you think would end up with this team? And this is zero against either. But who do you think would end up putting the better, more productive numbers up? Who do you think? Michael Pittman Jr., Jonathan Taylor. I think just by, and this is not me coming up with this because I believe that it's going to strengthen my argument. I mean, my argument's pretty simple. It's here and the now, and it's necessary for Jonathan Taylor. I think most people, certainly most people before this dust-up, there was nothing wrong. There was not, other than being injured, there was not a blemish of uh, the court of public opinion at all for Colts fans regarding Jonathan Taylor. Not a blemish. Nothing. Not one zit. Not one pimple. Not a wart. Nothing. I mean, everything was spotless. He's up on the side of Lucas Oil Stadium. You trust when healthy, he's going to come back and he's going to run his ass off and he's going to help the rookie quarterback out and help this offense be better. Hopefully rejuvenated offensive line that sucked a year ago. Just all in all, make up in a lot of ways for what was a horrendous season, just beyond his injuries of a year ago. But what was a horrendous season? Most of you, I'm assuming, would go with that of Jonathan Taylor. Kick the ball a lot, break off a couple of big runs. And then you kind of look at Michael Pittman Jr. And for the most part, you believe in Michael Pittman Jr. And you expect him to be extended. But every time you bring up Michael Pittman Jr., you guys always say, well, you know what? He is a number two and not a number one. That's always the argument. But this is the difference between that position being played in the NFL and that of running back, and in particular, a running back like Jonathan Taylor. You would certainly get more of an argument, for example, if it were Michael Pittman Jr. versus Christian McCaffrey. But what I'm telling you is what you got in in that quote that I gave you a little bit earlier from Michael Pittman Jr. out of camp today was a player that has complete and utter security within his own skin right now about the position in which he plays, about his talent level, and no worries regarding what is going to happen in the future. Somebody is going to pay him. Somebody is going to be responsible for his game, bringing him on board for an extension. Oh, sure, he's still going to work hard. He's still going to play hard. All that still want to improve, still want to help this team. But that was a guy that was speaking on behalf of of a great deal of security. He just knows where he's going right now. He's not worried about where he's going right now. Whereas on the other hand, you see Jonathan Taylor, it has been an absolute mess. I don't know if you had the opportunity to read what Stephen Holder of ESPN.com had written, you know, regarding some of the latest behind the scenes stuff. We'll talk to Stephen coming up at the four o'clock hour about it. Uh, It just seems like you've got two sides butting heads. And according to Stephen's article, we'll get more in-depth when he joins us at four. But according to his article, it was like Jonathan Taylor rolled in here with a different attitude. Now, again, I am not at all taking away any layer of blame from the Colts. Don't ever assume that. 
because I think you guys have listened all week long, and you know where I stand on this. This is all a bunch of crap. This is all really stupid. I talk to people in the hall here. I talk to people on the street. I talk to people I'm playing basketball with, and they go, what in the world's going on? It's just a huge amount of ridiculousness. But the security you see from Michael Pittman Jr. is certainly not the security that you see with Jonathan Taylor. I mean, that guy's been in scramble mode. I mean, they went a, a, a different way with a different delivery, and that thing went over like a lead balloon, much like Jim Rose's initial tweet last week went over like a lead balloon. And you now have had this, this constant back and forth, which had quieted down since Jonathan Taylor had tweeted out that there was nothing wrong with the back and... I never said anything about the back and, you know, told basically Mike Chappell and Stephen Holder, who are both going to be on this show today to get better sources. Yeah, we'll talk about their, their better sources because we know where their source, we know whom their sources are in this case. We know their sources, their sources, and this is no, no big mystery at all. Their sources came directly from the Colts. All right, well, you want to play that way? We'll, we'll play this way. Yeah. How about the non-football related injury list, huh? How would you like that taste? But that's the security you see regarding Michael Pittman Jr. in his present spot at wide receiver. He's not worried about any, yeah, whatever. And and see what this does, his attitude, what it does is it also helps cloud even more so the water or muddy the water, if you will, even more on this situation because now you view Michael Pittman Jr. as, well, this guy's just ready to go out there and play right now. This guy, he, he knows he's under contract, so he's got to play under that contract. He's not worried about that contractual stuff right now because he signed on the bottom line. No, he'll deal with that when he has a chance to deal with it. He's not worried. Whereas you got what has now been described more often than not and certainly – more than ever before, because it never has happened before. You got a lot of people viewing Jonathan Taylor as a malcontent. All he wants is money, just cares about his money, doesn't care about playing for this team. Formerly announced that he wanted to trade. He doesn't want to be here, doesn't want to do this. Looking at him standing out there, arms crossed, you know, with the the mean mugging, mean mugging demeanor going on. But again, therein lies a difference in situations. There is a grand mystery surrounding Jonathan Taylor's. And for somebody that has produced at such an incredibly high level, somebody that you have been able to count on, I know he got injured a year ago, but somebody you had been able to count on, somebody you would expect to count on, somebody that you counted on for so many carries at Wisconsin. I mean, he's always been the guy. And now he seems like he is is fighting for his his reputation. And the last week has not done it a great deal of solid service. And I know he sent out one tweet, and that's really all we've heard from him is is basically that one tweet. And then just seeing videos and pictures of how he's handling things while standing out there with his position group at Grand Park. You know, meanwhile, Michael Pittman Jr. says, yeah, you know what? It's like Mike Damone. Whatever happens, my toes are still tapping. Man, whatever. I'll get it sometime. That is the relative security that you have when you play that position in the NFL compared to when you're among a laundry list of dudes that play as an old school running back would play. 
or as we have referenced them time and time again, a bell cow running back. That's how you play. And that now is, certainly for the long term, is frowned upon regarding those that drive the NFL. And Jonathan Taylor's fighting for his situation, and Michael Pittman Jr. saying, yeah, whatever happens, happens. And that, again, comes with the security of playing the wide receiver over playing the running back here. And this is all, again, you guys think that Jonathan Taylor has had this incredible 180 in attitude? You guys deep down believe that? Now, there's no doubt when you are dismissed for what your value is from your accomplishments and what you feel your value is in the future for what you're still able to accomplish. Yeah, there's no doubt that's a steel-toed kick to the groin right there for an athlete. That has to be tough. So he's had to deal with that. He's somebody, obviously, that has been in social media, and while you stay away from it, and you don't get involved with it, that doesn't mean you don't get on there and read it. And much like anybody else, you can kind of imagine how he has noticed more than just a little bit of a change in the attitude of a lot of Colts fans out there. A lot of Colts fans that had run the damn ball hats and believed in 28 and loved Jonathan Taylor and now would so easily just dismiss the fact that he should just be traded someplace else or he should trade, they should trade him now or he shouldn't get paid and he's really not that valuable and Evan Hall can step in and do exactly what he's doing. I mean, any of these arguments that are out there right now. And that does not make it any easier. I'm not suggesting I know whether or not that he reads all these tweets. I just know it's human nature. It is hard. It is really hard, especially if you're somebody that many have an opinion on, somebody of that level of importance. It would be hard to stay away from that. It'd be difficult not to read that. And yeah, that just, to me, that continues to kind of boil the issue here. I would like to say, shouldn't it be easy? Should this be a lot easier? I mean, the Colts have a little bit of money. I mean, if they wanted to spread it around a little bit, but they, they don't want to. I mean, they want to see him play out this year. Where should the understanding lie? Should the understanding be with the Colts, you know, knowing that you know, this guy, you know, maybe he's been led astray here by his representation? I mean, maybe it's him. Has he had a, a change in attitude? Has he had a change in personality? Beyond that, though, shouldn't it be easy to recognize what exactly should be going on here? And, and really, I don't even want to consider what Shane Steichen believes he can do at running back. All I know is what he did with running back last year. I know what he did, and he had one that was a heavy rusher, 1,200 yards plus. And you're going to see in Philly this year how dynamic they're going to be since Miles Sanders moved on. They need somebody, even with that amount of talent that they had. Still have, matter of fact. And I mean everywhere. Outside, inside, slot receivers. Just beyond the fact that they have 
a versatile quarterback that many people hope that Anthony Richardson ultimately can transform himself into a likeness of and play that style of football. It was necessary to have somebody of support in the running game category a year ago. It wasn't just all about running back by committee. It wasn't. So shouldn't it be easier now just to kind of come to grips with what is necessary on both sides here? I mean, should Jim Irsay cave a little bit and say, all right, we're going to get this thing fixed. I'm going to do a couple of things at the same time. I'm going to get this whale. I'm going to get Orca from one side of the country back home to the Puget Sound. And then we're going to, because we, we, we need some harmony here. We'd like to have some harmony for the first time in a long time around here. Need a little bit of harmony. You know, do you, do you help Taylor's situation a little bit? Do you give him a little bit more, or do you stand by the words that you have stated so far? Which is, we want to see him play out his contract. And that's certainly the word. That's what they want. You recognize how valuable he 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 is to this team right now, or has you know this back and forth, this personality conflict, if you will, has that completely altered the situation where you just have two sides that aren't likely going to be able to come together? I mean, at some point with, with Jonathan Taylor, I don't know what you're going to do other than go back and play. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, we've talked about the leverage the Colts have, but we've just talked about it in terms of, of monetarily speaking. And that is, well, the fact that Jonathan Taylor's just not going to get paid. He's going to get fined and not get paid. But also, you know, how Jonathan Taylor is going to be viewed, and again, in that court of public opinion, which we have seen in the last week plus, I mean, we have seen that take a dramatic dive. I never thought, never thought I'd be sitting here and explaining just how the popularity of Jonathan Taylor has taken such a dramatic slide in the past week plus. I also sat here and said the same thing regarding Victor Oladipo. The same thing. I mean, look look how legitimate he is. Look how he embraces this market. I mean, hell, he went to IU. He already had that running start as a former Hoosier basketball player. And you know what? That still went in the crapper, too. It's just amazing. So from that point on, I just recognize you can never say never. It had nothing to do with Paul George. I mean, Paul George was still not from here. I mean, I guess ultimately you got surprised that he decided to take that particular tact or that path, but you never thought Old Depot would. And you also never thought that Jonathan Taylor would be in the situation with Jonathan Taylor in which he is in right now. It is absolutely amazing. But doesn't it seem like this should be? There has to be an easy solution here, right? It's not just cut and dry. Well, he plays that position, and this is how we're going to deal with it. Or, you know what? I can't go out there. I'm dinged up. And we'll ask Stephen Holder about that, too, regarding you know the injury situation. And, and again, how... Now that came to life. You know, how much of that came from a, a cult standpoint? Because you kind of got a way where you're getting the information from right now. But Stephen has that for us coming up here at the top of the four o'clock hour. And 
Yeah, personality conflict-wise, it's always tough to come to a resolution. But you look at it this way, shouldn't it be a lot easier? Why isn't it that easy? If it's always for the betterment of the team, well, we want to have the best team out here, best people out here. Uh, you'd be one of those, right? Everybody happy? I know you just can't go flaunting money around. It's not like you're moving a whale from one side of the country to the other. But shouldn't this be a much easier resolution? Are we not all going through a bunch of garbage just for the sake of going through a bunch of garbage? Because then it really does come down to egos, doesn't it? And when it comes down to egos, that's what we know, then everything goes to hell in a handbasket. Everything goes foobar. And that is where we are right now. So I get your thoughts on that. Does it seem like it just should be much easier than what everybody is going through right now? Got an answer? You can tell me if you need to put your hands up and go, hey, you know what? I don't know. You can do that as well. And we'll talk at you at 239-1070. The email address is jmv1075thefan.com. Again, the Backyard Bourbon Broadcast number one's happening tomorrow. We're going to announce the winner of the first one coming up a little bit later on. Hey, shout out to Christian and the Brown County Music Center last night. I checked another. I should say this. I put another, added another to my resume of live shows. I went down to see Boss Skaggs last night at the Brown County Music Center. 79 years of age, and my man was all over Lido Shuffle. All over it. That was well done. Hell of a time. My neighbor, Jeff Watson, took me down there. We go through the country. I love Brown County Music Center. Where I live, we can, like, go through the country until you get, like, in Morgantown and then go straight down 135. It is beautiful. But that was a good time. 79 years of age, Boss Skaggs. Did that Lido shuffle, some lowdown, JoJo. I mean, he even knows, much like we all do, if you ever watched Urban Cowboy, that Bud Davis made a horrible decision in choosing Sissy over Pam. He did that slow song from the Urban Cowboy soundtrack. He did a lot of blues, too. Hell of a time last night. Shout out to Christian for getting us down there. Uh, Speaking of a hell of a time, I've got Dave Chappelle tickets for you. Uh, That show is coming up at Gambridge Fieldhouse. I don't know. It's not until 2024. I'm assuming we end up getting some Taylor Swift in here. Have I been asleep? Like Taylor Swift has taken off in popularity to a level that I didn't recognize. It's like going to zero to 60. Is it because of my age? This is something I need to ask Laney about. It just seems like like Taylor Swift, to me, seems like the most popular musician on the planet right now. Like everybody wants to go. And you got I guess you gotta kind of dress like Taylor Swift when you go. Can you imagine being down there for those three days coming up in 2024? All the ladies are gonna look like running around with their Taylor Swift outfits on. Lord, that stuff is all over Facebook or Instagram or whatever. What Taylor Swift a month ago was in Cincinnati. Amazing. That was announced earlier today. Taylor Swift with not one, not two, but three shows coming up in 2024 inside Lucas Oil Stadium. I've got Yacht Rock Review tickets. That is a week from Saturday at the TCU Amphitheater giveaway. Those guys are fantastic. 
It is a party among the parties, and we'll give somebody a chance to win those tickets coming up a little bit later on. I know. I know. I'm going to get to it. I don't care. Seriously. I'm not pissed. I don't have a rub. I'm not chafed. I'm not upset. Who do you think you're talking to here? I mean, I've been around the block a couple of different times. I'm the one that told you. I'm the one that sold you on this team. I'm the one that explained to you the pitfalls of this, and it just doesn't come with the simple fact that, well, you know, a Cincinnati fan is slep rock. Or, no, 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 no. It, it is watching it. I mean, this thing is a house of cards at times, and it's interesting. You can rebuild it back up, and it can stand firm for a while. But, you know, all of it, I, I've got like a thousand Brady Bunch references in my head right now that I'm not going to give you, but it just, it, as soon as you tighten up one category, the expectation is with this group, you're going to see leakage someplace else. So I haven't talked a bunch of junk. I have just enjoyed the ride. Now, I'll tell you this. There's not much enjoyable in terms of watching a team give up 20 and have to throw their catcher on Tuesday night and then give up 16 and have to throw the same catcher last night. And there's nothing fun at all with regards to getting Buck sims or Lucas Farmered. But you can expect it. I expect it. I think it's going to come. Everybody in the world seemingly has had a home run. But you know what? Here's what I'm thinking about. Like, yeah, I know. It is like a turn, right? So I go from the Colts, and everybody says you're doom and gloom to a team that's what given up 36 runs in the past 48 hours. And I say, hey. You know, what could happen here is you win tonight and you split and you're still in first place. I'm watching my team still in first place in August. And it's the sucky Reds. I'm fine with it. I don't care if they put up 16. I don't care if they put up 20. The fact that the Reds lost, they lost. And they just have a lot of answers that will not be found with this group. I mean, a lot of answers. I, I will admit a couple of different times. Like when I reference, like I, I rem- <laughs> if you guys notice this, I will reference when things are going well, hey, Nick Crawl, and then when they're not going well, I'm going to reference him as the nerd. So I need to come to grips with that. But I'm not mad. I don't, I don't know what he was going to do to make them better. But I do understand the argument that, you know, maybe you should have done more than go out and get Sam Mole. Maybe you could have. Maybe any arm will do. Because that's exactly what you have, other than maybe one or two. Especially in that bullpen. Maybe just one. You have just your garden variety of probably would also play very well in beer league softball at Twin Lakes Park in Bloomington every Tuesday night. You know, playing for Nick's English Hut. Or what was the, uh, what's the bong shop down there that's on the west side? It always sponsored one of those really good softball teams down there. 
and the Odd Fellows or whatever. The Odd Fellows, I think, were a good softball team. Now you do. You have a bunch of guys in there that would be really good at uh, at softball, but not guys that you can count on game in and game out. And I mean, guys are going to give you moments, but for the most part, you're kind of going to get what you get here. So I'm cool. Reds come out one tonight. You split. Still in first place. I would. Yeah, you'd still be in first place if you won tonight. So I'd be good with that. And in fact, I don't care. 36 runs, 48 hours. I've still had a really good time this summer watching them, for the most part. Uh, do I have a tough time trying to figure out the lineup last night? Would I do that? For example, if the Reds were in a postseason game and they were facing a left-handed starter, um, I think we would all want to probably wring the neck of David Bell if he trotted that lineup out there. <laughs> and don't get me started with Nick Senzel playing third. Like, you could have been out there playing third, and it would have been better than that. That was not good. <laughs> I was trying to get ready all my references for the Bad News Bears. Like, Rudy Stein was put at third, I think, last night. So, that's where I am with it. I would say I'm okay with taking a beating like that, but I have been satisfied and certainly surprised with this season. Thus... The cuts are not deep. Hey, we'll hit that if you guys like it, 239-1070. That email address is jmv1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, I've got to open that bad boy up. I will in just a little bit. Got afternoon baseball going on. Got some finals. Check that. We do not, but we do have afternoon baseball going on, and I'll get you some finals coming up a little bit later on on this Thursday, and tomorrow is going to be a Backyard Bourbon broadcast. Phil Steele. We gonna do Phil Steele tomorrow? James has said whenever. Phil Steele has the college football preview. Phil Steele, PhilSteele.com has everything you need to know. And I'm thinking this time of year, we always get Phil on so we can all get updated. Now, you know, is there a chance at a repeat at Heisman? You know, who's gonna win the Big Ten? Who's taking over a quarterback for the Buckeyes? How many games Jim Harbaugh is going to be suspended and will Michigan be 4-0 and zero in those games? Hey, can Iowa score more than me in high school? There's another one. Iowa's got a former Michigan quarterback, and they hope that they score more than me in high school. They didn't do that last year. I believe that – is this true? James, check this. Brian Ferentz is the offensive coordinator of the Hawkeyes, right? Is it in his contract that he has to this season score 25 or more points a game? Did I just dream that? Because if so, that's pretty funny. Ah, so we'll go over that. Brett Bielema, year number two in Illinois. Matt Rule, year number one in Nebraska. And, of course, Ian Purdue. Did I dream it? Uh, it looks like you're actually right. He has to win at least seven games and average at least 25 points per game. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I like it. Put your money where your mouth is right there. So what? what is that, what's their uh, pre-schedule look like, Big Ten-wise? So he's going to run up the scoreboard on somebody, right? If he can. I'm assuming he can. Cade McNamara now is their, their quarterback at Iowa. And I know you don't care about Iowa Hawkeye football, nor do I. 
I just kind of found that kind of interesting. So where's he going to have to put a 6-0 on the board against? He has the opportunity? Who's their schedule? Give me their first four games. Uh, first game, Utah State Aggies. Then they take on the Iowa State Cyclones. Ooh. Then the Western Michigan Broncos. Yeah. Then they take on Penn State and then Michigan State and then uh, Purdue. When do they play Northwestern? So he's going to have to put like 90 on Northwestern. Uh, let me look that. They have up. Northwestern on the schedule. What? When do they have Northwestern on the schedule? I'm not seeing Northwestern right now. I'm looking through it. Where is Northwestern? I shouldn't have asked you this because you didn't have the answer readily available. That's my bad. Uh, November fourth. Oh, you got to run that up. Be like Coach Yost. Run it up, Herman. Leave no doubt. All right, we'll get back to that. And Phil Steele is going to come on the show. I believe tomorrow Phil is going to be on. And uh, that is going to get you ready for the college football season. All right, quick break. I'm way over. You on the other side. Jimmy Keith will begin at 239-1070 inside the lounge via YouTube Live. You got HD radio, the stream, the app, and a loaded show, including Stephen Holder with new Colts, Jonathan Taylor, info still to come. Mike Chappell as well in the 5 o'clock hour. We've got Dave Chappelle tickets. We've got Yacht Rock Review and a Backyard Bourbon broadcast location slash host to announce later on in the show, too. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. We're putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. <laughs> Father of Trevor, Iowa Hawkeye. Former Ron Colley Royal suggests that I need to take it easy on the Hawkeyes. I have a newfound interest, Dave. In the Iowa Hawkeyes this season, I'll be truly honest with you. It's the first time I've brought them up in years. And it's all because of the Lauk family. That's it. You got to run that thing up, Herman. Run it up. That's just, that's interesting in the offensive coordinator's contract right there. Big fan of the Lauk family. They know that. Um, yeah, Tony Donahue actually came up. My Blake is over at Ron Colley running in practice right now. Uh, Blake does not like Taylor Swift. I just learned that. I think it depends on the setting, if you know what I mean. Kay Adams says this. So if Jim Irsay can fly Shamu, I believe it's a Lolita and not Shamu, to safety for $20 million, but won't give Taylor a bump in salary. Yeah, I mean, you do look at that and see that that's the situation you get in. And I, I understand that we're not, what is it, apples and oranges or whatever. But people look at that and go, shouldn't this be easier? And that's, Kay Adams, why I brought this up. I mean, shouldn't this be easier? Why is it so damn hard? Why is it? Why are we here? I mean, can you not, uh, here's a little bit of something to pass the time. Here's a little something to strengthen your faith. Is it really that bad? Why are we here? And that's exactly, Kay Adams, why I brought this up. Now, listen, I'm glad. $20 million to you know take Lolita back to the Puget Sound after, what, 56 years or whatever? That is fantastic. And then people are also going to say, here's what else would be fantastic if maybe for one year, 
even one moment, could you go without having a bunch of chaos? Could you go without having things look like a circus? Could you act like that everybody's on the same page a little bit here? That's easily said. Easily said. That's a good point that you make. Hey, by the way, I was thinking about that. There is no worse movie in the history of movies. Anybody ever seen the movie Orca? I bring that up because I believe that that may have been the first. It certainly is one of the first, if not the initial. I thought it was the first movie that Bo Derek was ever in, although there was no nude scene in it, so that's a bummer. That automatically made it bad. It wasn't 10, but it is like one of the worst movies of all time. It came along, if you remember, in 1975, or if you know this history in film, when Jaws came out and it was so big and it had such a profound effect on moviegoers when they were in a pool, a lake, a pond, an ocean, whatever, um, that everybody started cranking out. Anything that was in the water became some type of predator, some type of monster, anything. You know, piranha, alligators, frogs, an octopus, everything. And that's when they came out with Orca. It's horrible, absolutely horrible, even with Bo Derek in it. Brian Hare writes this, Pittman is a 1.5. He's a 1 but he needs a classic route runner on the other side. What we hope Paris Campbell would have been, maybe the rookie, that's Josh Downs, by the way, steps up and breaks some ankles. Just funny. And Michael Pittman Jr. right now is just, I mean, he is comfortable in his own skin. And then Jonathan Taylor is just, and, and, and it's not a put on when you see his face most of the time it looks like a dude that is just like pissed off at the world right now we've all had that face in the mirror in our reflection because we've all had some something similar to be pissed about not of that magnitude maybe but certainly something similar you know something that's not in the headlines every day not being talked about on some numbnuts radio show in the afternoon every day but you know maybe a a similar a relative situation where you also look in the mirror and you see that face looking right back at you hey we can know we know why we're here right now but why has this sustained well, you know, you got so many days and there's still plenty of time, but every single day, think about this for a moment. So Anthony Richardson got all the one reps today, got all the one reps, well, yesterday or whenever the last time they practiced was. And, you know, when asked, Shane Steichen said today, because you wanted to make up for the day that he missed with the, the nasal cavity surgery. And think about all the time that he's missing with somebody that should be such a tremendous part of this offense and his growth in year number one. To me, that's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you can't say, well, it's very important to have him in here and then not have everybody in there. Missing a lot of time. And it's not easily going to be made up, even if you come up with some solution on the back end of this. This missed time piles up. All right, 239-1070. Jimmy, don't tell me you're going to talk Cubs to my face right here. Come on. Don't do I'm it. Taking the, 
I'm taking the high road, John. How are you today? I'm good, buddy. How are you? Great, thank you. Hey, real quick, um, I, I know uh, at least three great people who were at the Bosch concert last night. You and my parents were all Oh, your parents there. were there, too? I did not were, see them. Yeah. I was a very yeah. late arrival. I walked in when he was singing JoJo. I think that was song number two. I was a little late arriver, but, man, it was awesome. I wish I would have seen them, too. Yeah, they were there with, uh, sitting with my aunt and uncle, uh, my mom's sister, and, and her husband. So um, they had a great time, and I hope you did, too. And it's, uh, I was watching I was watching the Cubs game, but I thought about you. So um, I'm glad you were at the concert and not watching the Bad News Bears. So, um, <laughs> Watch Rudy Stein play third base last night. I didn't want to see yeah. those highlights, brother. I didn't. No. Hey, one last thing. Yeah. I, um, knowing you and Kevin and Jake, I feel the same way that you kind of feel about Tucker with the Cubs. Um, if the Reds do end up winning division and play better than the Cubs in October, I'll be I'll be happy for all of you guys because that's how much I think of you guys. And uh, oh, you're, you guys. Jimmy, you're the absolute best, buddy. So, you are the absolute but, uh, best. Yeah, listen, yeah. I, I don't take uh, even with the ribbing from Cubs fans. I don't take it literally, and here's why. Because I, I do have a great deal of satisfaction because this is the first time in forever that uh, a summer with the Reds and watching has been prioritized because of the enjoyment. I mean, even with giving up 36 in the last two games, which is ridiculous, and seeing a backup catcher pitch in both of those games at the tail end is ridiculous. It has been quite enjoyable, and it would be very difficult to take that enjoyment away from me. So that's kind of how I look yeah. at it. Yeah. Well, and I, I've been up at Colts camp the last couple of days, and um, the way that Jake and Kevin and you and Hagen hey, you know, and everybody treat me is just first class. So I hope I, I hope I could reciprocate to that, that to you guys. So you got you it, Jimmy. Tell your parents so I said hello too. I got to add Boss Skaggs to my concert going resume last night. I was very proud of that. Uh, my daughter, Laney, went back to school today, too, August the 3rd. I know people went back last week. I mean, hell, I think Perry Township went back last week in July. This is absolutely brutal. <laughs> I sent out a Facebook picture of <laughs> her this morning. That's exactly the look I would have had if those that educated me at Eastern Green back in the 80s said, all right, uh, you're going back on August the 3rd. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not going back for 17 more days here, everybody. I don't know what you guys are thinking here, Eastern Green. I don't know what you're thinking here, Board of Education. B-O-R-E-D of Education. I don't know what you're thinking here, but I'm not sure as hell going back on the 3rd of August. That's 17 more days to soak it up. Gary Collins is in. Lolita, or whatever the name is, doesn't count against the salary cap. Or if Lolita gets hurt, you're not on the hook for remaining money. And no, that's why I said it's apples to oranges that. And people are going to bring that up. But the fact that people can bring that up and make an argument, it's, it's easy. Even if it is not comparable. And people are going to say, if it's $20 million and so difficult to do this when what you're doing is such you know philanthropically speaking you know such an incredible endeavor then why can't you figure this crap out you know what i mean that's the word it's not again an equal comparison but it's the word and we all know this it's tough to get away from the word out there 
Sometimes the word is absolutely inaccurate, 100% wrong. A perpetual lie is the word, but it's tough to get away from it. Uh, Keith, before the break at 239-1070. Hello, Keith. Yeah, hello. Hey, I'll pass. Uh, I'm not calling in for the uh, Taylor Swift concert tickets. I'll pass on that one. Uh, hey, um, so you know what? So it seems like uh, Jonathan Taylor, everyone has opinion about this stuff, but when he started making comments about other running backs, comments on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it nowadays, that seems like that's when all that stuff started changing, right? But why don't they just do – why don't they just – there's a nice running back that used to play for the Dallas Cowboys, Ezekiel Elliott. Sign him to a one-year contract. we got one heck of a player, a baller, in Clinton out of University of Indiana recently – or Indianapolis recently, right? And by that time comes back that Zach Moss with a broken arm – Hey, that's a running back there. You know, that's three good running backs right there. You know, just the thought. We no one's picking up Ezekiel Elliott, and we could probably get him at a pretty uh, pretty good price for a one year yeah. contract. Yeah, hey, Keith, thank you for the call. I don't know what you're able to get Ezekiel Elliott for. I don't know. I, I would expect them uh, if this continues. Certainly, uh, to maybe go out you know, and not necessarily Ezekiel Elliott or. Yeah, not necessarily anybody of major name recognition, but certainly visit that position. That's something we'll talk about with Mike Chappell coming up at the 5 o'clock hour because I think he's had a pretty good focus on it. But at the same time, I just you, you got somebody here that's under contract. All I'm saying is for this year, just you know, how hard can this be? Hey, listen, if you're... The Colts and the stance is, I'm not budging. I want to go down this path of Le'Veon Bill. I guess then so be it. Or if it's a number where you can't even come come to even common ground in a year in which he's still under contract, I guess from a Colts standpoint, then so be it. But you just got this dude that has been so useful and would be so useful now. And it just kind of seems like there should be a much easier solution to this than what we see which is nothing greg writes this it's a tax deduction for christ's sakes come on people (laughs) all i'm saying is you get that's exactly the type of conversation you're going to get that has nothing one has nothing to do with the other but in this case in the situation that they're in that's how people will equate it Again, the word may be completely inaccurate, but it's tough to live down the word. We've known this. I mean, all across sports, news, politics, you've seen the word in social media, and it's tough, even if incredibly inaccurate, to dismiss that word. A quick break. We'll come back. Stephen Holder has some new info, ESPN.com, top of the hour. Mike Chappell in the 5 o'clock hour. Dave Chappelle tickets, Yacht Rock Review, and a Backyard Bourbon Broadcast host announcement coming up, too. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Can I buy you guys a drink? It's not. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Got to welcome to town, everybody, for Gen Con. Anybody notice Gen Con's in town? The nerds are ev- No. Gen Con fans are everywhere. 
And welcome to town, Gen Con fans. Anybody drive down off of Capitol? No, been down Illinois because Gen Con is in town this weekend. Enjoy Indianapolis and Gen Con. Check out this show. Check out the JMV Takeover coming up on Saturday night. JMV and the Big Ten going to add some teams from the now-dying Pac-12. Sounds like it. Maybe two or four? What do they want to add right now? What's Arizona and Arizona State going to do? Go to the Big 12? Big 12 had got a second. They got a second shot at life here. Well, second win to the Big 12, evidently. Arizona, Arizona State. What do you got here? Washington, Oregon, Stanford, and Cal to the Big Ten. See what Florida State wants to do, try to get some money, and then see what happens to the ACC. (laughs) Going to keep on going, aren't we? Yeah, Boilermaker football. We'll talk to Phil Steele about that, both Boilermaker and IU football coming up tomorrow. Uh, interesting take, an interesting take at quarterback on both. See what's going on with Taven Jackson. See what's going on with Hudson Card. And the uh, great Phil Steele's on this show coming up tomorrow. Hey, JMV, I was thinking about you every way last night as a Cubs fan when the Reds were fumbling and bumbling and stumbling their way to a 16-run beatdown. Thank you very much. I'm glad that I can have such a robust effect on your life when you're at home watching a baseball game. Makes me feel good. Uh, it was definitely stumbling, bumbling, and fumbling last night. Uh, afternoon baseball today. Rangers four, White Sox three. Top of the seventh inning uh, from Fort Worth. Uh, top of the eighth inning, Royals six, Mets nothing. Top of three, Orioles two, Blue Jays nothing. Just underway, the bottom of the first, Diamondbacks, Giants, no score. Everything else later on tonight after 7.15. Again, 7.15 or later, got the Twins and the Cardinals at 7.45. Reds and the Cubs to close out what, at least in the last two games, has been rather nightmarish for the Reds in terms of giving up runs. A split, and you'd be okay. See if they can get that tonight. It's uh, Reds-Cubs, 8.05 from Wrigley Field in Chicago. If you're on hold, I'll get to you. Mike Chappell on the 5 o'clock hour. It's our Backyard Bourbon broadcast winner, our first host of the summer of 2023. That announcement is coming up. Dave Chappelle tickets, Yacht Rock Review, and more. But on the other side, Stephen Holder, some new information regarding that melodrama between the Colts and Jonathan Taylor and the Colts at camp. Why Anthony Richardson has been taking all the first-team snaps. It does make sense. DeForest Buckner's foot injury and more with Stephen Holder. Other side, next. The Ride with JMV. I am the cream here. The cream of the crop. And there is no one that does it better. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. JMV, I'd rather have Morgan Fairchild in center field than Stuart Fairchild. That makes two of us. I was a big fan of Morgan Fairchild in the day, too. Anybody ever see the film The Seduction? Get there. Get to it. JMV 
in your days in and around Bloomington, how frequently did you make an appearance at Yogi's? If you're talking about the old school Yogi's, what off of 10th Street? Uh, it was often. Well, you got to think about it too. When I, I first, um, it, fake ID wise, or when I was legit at 21, right? Uh, they started at that time with those those trivia contests with the trivia machines that you do. Machines. I sound like I'm 90 from the Waltons. But those electronic trivia contests that you would do, what was it, NTN trivia, I think? Used to do that all the time there. Uh, the original Yogi's location was, I believe, leveled here recently. And oh, by the way, JMV, how excited are you that a Bloomington staple is making an appearance in Carmel? I don't know what good it's going to do to have Buffaloes for me and Carmel. But I love Buffaloes. I'll be honest with you, it'd be quicker for me to drive to Bloomington to Buffaloes than it would for me to drive to Carmel and Buffaloes. So it will remain the original, I would guess, for me. If you're on hold, I get you in a second via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, ESPN.com. The Colts beat writer who has been quite active over the past week and a half or so. He is Stephen Holder with us. Is there um, going to be at some point, is there going to be a solution to this? That's A. And then B, you think we'll look back at any sort of solution if there is one and say, wow, that that should have been much easier than it turned out to be. What do you think? Mm. Well, as to whether there there will be a solution, I sure as hell hope so, because <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> uh, and also, in all seriousness, this can't continue. This is not sustainable. It's sustainable maybe right now because there's no game on Sunday. This is still a, a situation where the Colts are, are five weeks shy of the regular season. So, so for them, you know, right now, Time is, is kind of on their side, and, and they can maybe let this play out and, you know, perhaps see if the player comes around or, you know, all of those those possibilities that may or may not happen. Right now, you can let them kind of play out. But I, I think with each day that goes, you know, it brings us a little bit closer to, to whatever point it is where this this can't continue. And so – I'm with you. I think that this has to be brought to a conclusion at some point. You know, is that a trade? Is that Jonathan Taylor having a complete 180 and change of opinion, which seems like a lot to expect right now? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, as to whether as to whether it, it should have been easier, you know, once we get to that eventual eventual conclusion, I actually. I, I probably will not look at it that way just because I think things are are so uh, heated, you know, in terms of where Jonathan Taylor's at, in, in terms of his relationship with, with the Colts. I think it is in such disrepair that I don't think any solution, uh, whatever it ends up being, is, is going to be easy. So we know why Jonathan Taylor and his side of things are so angry. What is the level of anger on the Ursa Ballard Colt side of things, and what 
really majorly escalated it to the point to where, you know, they're floating around a lot of options. And, you know, obviously you and, and Mike both had this early in the week. They float around a lot of options here, obviously, to get the attention of the other side through you guys on this. Where was the breaking point, the anger point for them in all this? Okay, so that's that's a big part of this. And you, let me be clear. You're talking about the, the breaking point for the team? Yeah, for when, when did – because okay. it didn't okay. sound like that they were all that pissed. Right. And now it sounds like, you know, either through reporting from you or other right. hearsay right. that they're pissed now. What what was the thing that uh, – that's uh, was it the, the, the tweets from the agent? Was it other things? Was it the attitude of Taylor? Why are they so pissed? So – I, I will speak for Chris Ballard because I don't know if I don't know if that's true of him. I, I think he has kind of stayed out of the fray, at least certainly publicly he has, uh, other than the, the comment he made on, on the day the Colts reported, which I think if you're if you're Jonathan Taylor, you might well have um, interpreted as as Chris Ballard saying we're not paying you when he said, you know, look, we're coming off a tough year and Jonathan was hurt last year and it is what it is. And that's kind of a <laughs> that's not a very veiled statement, right? So other than that though, Chris Ballard has, has largely stayed out of this publicly. But if you ask where where the Colts where things were ratcheted up for the Colts, I I won't say anger, I'm not gonna speak for people and put words in their mouths, but I do think the trade we request uh definitely got people's attention. Because there was some hope, and this was part of the, the meeting on Saturday night on Ursay's bus. There was some hope that, look, you know, maybe we can, we can pull him back in and say, hey, just be patient, work with us, and we'll take care of you at some point. That point is not now, clearly, but at some point we'll take care of you, Jonathan. And, and I think Ursay in particular, it, appear, it appears, hoped that he could appeal to – Jonathan, Ta- Jonathan Taylor's good nature, you know, um, he's a good guy. He's he's intelligent. I can maybe pull him back in. I think that was Ursay's hope here, it appears, and that didn't get him anywhere. <laughs> it did not get him anywhere. So you saw once the the trade request became public, you saw an immediate rejection of that idea, immediate. And on the record, wasn't it wasn't leaked. It wasn't any of that. It was like. You can say I said it, right? Yeah. So that that was, I think, part of it getting ratcheted up. Uh, you know, look, the, the talk about the non-football injury list, I, I would say this. I, I don't think when we learned of that, those conversations had already happened behind closed doors. So it wasn't necessarily a threat made through the media. The threat, if you want to call it a threat or whatever, the the idea was floated I presume in person, you know, or at least man to man, you know, with Taylor's camp. So it's just that that's when we learned of it. But but making it public, I think, does certainly change the tone of things. Certainly. So so that's where I'd say. And then the the final thing I would say is that, and then this is in my big story from this morning on ESPN.com, uh, when Jonathan Taylor showed up. And reported to training camp uh, last week, last Tuesday. Uh, the Colts were really taken aback at the level of his anger about the situation. And that there's a, there's a lot of complexity in that and how he got to that point, which we can talk about. But, but the point is, 
I think they were they were expecting a guy who was going to kind of work with them, and instead they got a guy who just wanted no part of the situation. So that definitely it, it started things off on, on the wrong foot as far as the Colts are concerned. Um, you know, it, it just kind of ratcheted things up as well. You know, when you talk about how they got where we are, you know, that was a part of it as well. So he started, they started out with a, a soft touch kind of approach, and then it, it escalated. It really went like zero to 60. Then it escalated to, to where we are basically right now. Is this part of a blueprint or a plan from his representation with that, with that anger and that approach from Jonathan Taylor that, that evidently, according to your story, the Colts were, were offended by, I would guess, for lack of a better description? Was that all a part of this plan from Jonathan Taylor's representation? I've been asked that a lot, and and I and I get why, and I wondered that too, and and probably was somewhat convinced that's what it was. I feel differently now, and where I have landed on all of that is that no, this is this is Jonathan Taylor, just coming to a point where he's like, I think, look, you know, this is, I'm I'm truly upset. And he's truly unhappy. Whether you agree with him or not, not you, but the general public, you know, whether whether we agree with him or not is, is immaterial. All I'm saying is, in his mind, he's justified in feeling the way he feels. And look, this goes back to last year, as I laid out, right? He, he was hurt. We, it was well documented. He got hurt, I believe it was week, don't quote me, five maybe, uh, against Tennessee. He hurts the ankle. He misses, I believe, the next two games. And then he comes back, he gets, uh, he gets a couple games under his belt, then he gets hurt again. And then, if I'm not mistaken, that's when I think he went on IR. So, I mean, this, this happened. There were, there were three different instances. Plus, which uh, the one thing I, uh, I neglected to mention in my story is, is the turf toe that he played through early in the season. And so I think the first couple games, and then he kind of got past it. So he basically was hurt from start to finish. But here's the thing. In Taylor's mind, when, when people ask, well, why is he so mad? Okay, yeah, he's not getting a contract since. Why can't he just wait? Okay, fair. Um, but if you ask him why he's mad, I'm telling you why he's mad. He's mad because this goes back to last year. He feels like your team sucked. Your team was absolutely terrible. And I laid it on the line for this team when I could have gone on IR, got this surgery back in October, and been good to go You know, shortly after that for, for the offseason. Could have had you know, perhaps – he maybe participates in OTAs if that's the case, right? I don't know. And then he's really primed maybe for a big 2023 if he goes that route. Instead, he decides, okay, I'm going to push through it. My team needs me. They're absolutely terrible. We have no quarterback. <laughs> so Jonathan Taylor does the considerate thing in his mind and says, I'm going to play through it and be there for my team. And now on the back end of it, I think in his mind, the way he interprets this is that, all right, you're using my play against me when I shouldn't even have been out there. So I, I kind of I think you can understand where he's coming from there. So were you privy to the dialogue that went on on the RV bus on Saturday between Taylor and, and Jim Irsay? Uh, some of it, yes, and and I think what was that? It, did it become at all contentious, or was it calm? No, that wasn't that wasn't my sense. I, not that I'm aware. Not that I'm aware, but. It does appear that Jonathan Taylor stood his ground. Uh, he, he did not come around. I think Jim Mercy wanted him. I think I think Jim Mercy 
knows that that he can be very persuasive, right? And and he is. And I think he wanted to have an opportunity to use those pers- those skills of persuasion to to get Jonathan Taylor to perhaps see the light, as I, I imagine Jim Mercer saw it. And that did not happen. And now, as to it being contentious, I, I can't speak to all of that. I don't know that it was. No one told me that it was. But um, I think points were made, and but opinions apparently did not change. <laughs> so uh, with, within a few minutes or maybe an hour after that, we learned that Jonathan Taylor had demanded a trade. And, and frankly, that, that had been made. That trade had been made on the day – excuse me, the trade request. This is important. The trade request was made on the day Taylor showed up. So that also set the tone from the beginning. He walked in the door. They talked. He requested a trade. Boom. Did he have previous non-football-related injuries back? And then I think, what was the other one? A hamstring, something like that, that that we're hearing about now? Yeah, so... Because I mean, I, I was assume that that last tweet that he had, where he said get new sources, I'm assuming that he was pointing the finger with with you and and Chapel right from last week. Is yeah, that correct? That's, that's, that's fine. That's fine. I got no problem with that. Listen, players get to have their say too. I mean, I listen. I write a whole lot of words every day, right? So <laughs> I tell guys all the time. Look, I got no problem with you saying you got an issue with something that I put out there because I get my say, you get your say. I got no problem with Jonathan, to be clear. Like, we're good. But here's what I'd say. Um, This is maybe uh, an issue of semantics, okay? I was told very clearly and without question that, that, that Jonathan reported to the team that he was feeling some discomfort in the back and hamstring uh, glutes, etc. Uh, I, I think there's some relationship between all of this, perhaps, or at least let me rephrase that. Strike that. There is some belief that there is a relationship between all of this from the team's perspective. But, but I also was told that ultimately no one really thinks this is going to be a huge deal. So hopefully that's true. I mean, I can't speak to it other than to tell you what people told me. Um, you know, Jonathan de- denied it. I-, I think it's, again, as I said, it might be a matter of semantics. It's, it's perhaps being described inaccurately or-, or maybe a little differently than he sees it in terms of what he told them and what he's feeling. But I can't read his mind, and, and only he knows his body. So that's all I can tell you on that. Uh, but but I, I don't think he's going to end up on the non-football injury list. No, that's that's very unlikely. Uh, and and I don't think that ultimately whatever issues beyond the ankle he's experiencing, uh, I, I don't get the sense that it's going to be something that prevents him from like playing this year or anything like that. So Stephen Holder of ESPN.com with us. How often is their phone ringing? Regarding from what you've heard, Jonathan right. Taylor. So good question. Uh, it, it, it's a little, it's a little murky on that part because uh, I think you have. You, I, what we don't know is whether the Colts have expressly told other teams to call them, like, hey, you know, our our phones are open, lines are open, <laughs> like like your show, right? I, I don't know that they have put that out there yet. In fact, 
what we know is that we have Jamerse very much on the record to everyone saying, not no, but hell no, we're not trading Jonathan Taylor. Now, I will tell you this. Everybody has a price, including Jonathan Taylor. And the Colts have not, internally at least, they have not ruled it out. And I'm not convinced that it won't happen. I have no idea what the price tag would be. I don't know what teams. But I, I do know that at ESPN we've been told there are, there are at least a couple of teams that would, that would have legitimate interest. Whether they have talked to the Colts, I cannot comment on that. I don't know. But uh, I talked to a couple other executives in the league, like uh, assistant general manager level people, and they have told me that, yeah, they, they believe there's a market for him, not their particular teams, but they believe there's a market for him. And it'll kind of boil down to, you know, wh- wh- whether they can make a deal. Because I think you, you don't trade for him as a rental. I think if you're trading for him, you're, you're going to say this is a 24-year-old superstar running back. Now, whether that matters to you or not, I don't know. That's up to the individual teams, right? But, but that's what Jonathan Taylor is. He's a 24-year-old star running back with electric potential. He, he can be a home run on any given play. That was not the case last year on a very regular basis. That is true. But as we have already established, he was playing hurt the whole year. It is what it is. But that has been his calling card throughout his career has been he's a home run running back. And, and that's why, honestly, uh, he, 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 that, that's really what he's, he's pegging his demand to a, to, for a contract extension on, I think, you know, because that's, that's what he does. And, and I think the argument that running backs are a dime a dozen, that is, there's, there's merit to that argument. The question is, do you see Jonathan Taylor, if you were interested in him, do you see Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor as being – having a different identity than, than those guys you talk about who are, are dime a dozen. And I think perhaps his home run ability may separate him. You know, just, it's in the eye of the beholder, though. Hey, Stephen, this is my theory on this, and, and please feel free to debunk this theory because you're much more educated on this situation than I am. But when you mention that you don't see a team utilizing him in a trade as a rental possibility, I disagree with that. Because I think if you're a team that you believe that you're close right now and, you know, you're running back away and knowing contractually what he is, and even if you gave him a little bit of a bump right now if you wanted to, you don't even necessarily have to keep him around. Plus, you're going to get a guy that I can't imagine a level of motivation he's going to have compared to what we have seen in the past. I I do. I think he, to me, seems like a great rental possibility and also factor in that in no way in the world the Colts are going to get anything more than, to me, a third rounder I think would be a dream right now considering what they could get in return for him. So I think it's going to be low cost in terms of draft selections and a a high reward situation over the risk if you're looking to rent somebody like that for this season. You know what? I don't don't disagree with that. When I said I I don't anticipate a team renting him, and I hate that term, obviously, but for lack of a better word, um, I'm not ruling it out necessarily. I, I, I think what I'm saying is it, if you take him on in that situation, you are basically inheriting, inheriting part of the Colts' problem. 
which is you have this guy who who feels like he deserves a contract extension, and so if you if you don't if you acquire him without any intention of giving him one, I think you ha- you will be wary. You should be wary about whether you are just you know creating a problem or or inheriting the Colts issue. So so that's why I say that. Uh, but the the scenario you laid out is very fair, which is okay if you're a, if you're a team that's on the verge and and you're a playmaker away well you can't get a better playmaker than Jonathan Taylor right not not right now in the NFL there's there's nobody there's no well, like no like a team like my I don't know who Miami has playing running back right now but a team well, like Miami that seems that close to on the mind. verge right yeah that's that, they're one of the teams that comes to mind yeah. uh, certainly and you've got a, a coach who knows how to get a lot out of his running backs uh, with with his schemes I mean <laughs> Uh, again, I'm not reporting that. I'm just saying. No, no, no. Theoretically, I, I agree yeah, with you. Theoretically, I, right? That's the team. That's one of the teams that comes to mind for me. They're also aggressive as hell, right? They are super aggressive right now in terms of personnel. So, I I don't disagree with you. And I, I think they're, and that's why you know when you talk to people in the NFL, they say like, hey, hold on now, like this guy is special. You know, I get how people feel about running backs, but like there's a there's a scenario where where someone could make use of him. And I don't disagree with that. So, yeah, I, I think you're right in principle about someone taking him on for one year. The question is, does he does he cooperate, Jonathan, does he cooperate with that scenario uh, given the fact that, that he would not have the extension that he's looking for? If he, if he could do that, then that could be a workable scenario. So you think that his representation is going to let him screw himself and his career that bad? Because that's exactly what he would do. I mean, listen, I think that a team could trade for him, give him a a bit of a bump, and then if he would sit out, for example, if he would not want to play, sitting out this season, I I don't even know why that would be in the cards for him. I I don't. I don't don't know why you'd even consider that. Yeah, I mean, no one's told me that that is uh, a possibility here. I mean, no one's gone there, Mm. in talking to me, at least. So I, I have not considered that as part of the outcome here. I mean, and also, look, we're, we're maybe maybe we're not there yet. Maybe that happens later, that threat sure. or something. I don't know, but but certainly not right now. So I, I don't I don't think that's in the cards, and I don't think that is something that has has been broached to my knowledge. Yes. So would you consider this? And I guess this is the ultimate right now, considering the two sides. Are these irreconcilable differences that we see? Uh, I think Jonathan Taylor feels that way. Now, as as the days go on and maybe options begin to dwindle, does that change? I don't know. That that would be my answer. So, you know, I think the Colts. I don't, I can't speak for them, but if my opinion and my my read of this, right, my read of this with the Colts is, as I said earlier, the time is on their side. Be all right, let's let's see if he calms down. If at some point he calms down, and hopefully in a few weeks or a couple of weeks, I don't know, I'm just throwing this out there. Let's say in a couple of weeks he gets back on the field. He's still got, got a couple of weeks before the regular season at that point. You know, you're probably feeling like that's workable, okay? This is a hypothetical, just very, very hypothetical. So if you're the Colts, that's probably what you're hoping for. <laughs> you know, I mean – but at the same time, I think one thing I keep hearing is, 
everyone saying, well, the team has all the leverage. They certainly have a majority of the leverage. That is no question. However, there's a couple things that we are probably overlooking, which is you still have this issue hovering over the locker room, which is very unhealthy, very unhealthy, I think. And it involves a guy who is adored in that locker room. They love Jonathan Taylor. Okay. So how does that play? And where does that, how does that impact how the Colts proceed? These are hypothetical questions. I don't know the answer. I'm just saying, if you're Chris Ballard, Jim Mercer, you have to think about that. You do. You have to think about that. You know, you, you have told your team time and time and time and time again, you do your thing and we will take care of you. I am not saying Jonathan Taylor is entitled to a damn thing. All I'm saying is that's the message, right? And so if, if that's the message, then, you know, you, you kind of have to there, – there's a time when you're expected to walk the walk with your team. So, so that's all I'm saying. That is, that's the one variable where Jonathan Taylor – I wouldn't call it leverage, but, but there are some considerations perhaps on the other side of it too when you look at that part of it. One final thing to consider, if they were to give him a, a boost, a bump, if you will, in salary in this final year of his contract – would that motivate him, or is he going to be stuck in this position until he gets some sort of whatever extension-wise contract here? Hmm. Uh, how, how do you get him on the field? How do you get him on the yeah. field now? Right, right. I, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think it's worth a try, though. I don't know the answer to that. But, but if you're the Colts, don't you think it's worth a try? I, 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 this is also silly to me. There has to be something else because it seems so simple. I mean, look, you got Anthony well, Richards taking the, the, all the, the one snaps, and I don't care what. I mean, Jonathan Taylor or not, you need him out there because he's just necessary. You need him out yeah. there during the season. Yeah. You need him out yeah. there right now working with his rookie quarterback, all yeah. of the above. And, and the fact they haven't found any common ground just seems really stupid to me. And I know where the yeah, Colts stand, too. I mean, I've been told that they, they, they want him effectively to play out his contract, and then if they're going to give him a raise and an extension, that's when they're going to do it. And I just wonder if they were, they're going to be able to move off of that whatsoever, monetarily speaking, in this final season of his contract. Yeah. Look, teams love having control, uh, and that, that they have a lot of control over Jonathan Taylor right now. Uh, frankly, I, I think – I think the expectation from Jonathan Taylor's perspective is that, well, I'm getting franchised next year. So, uh, you know, I have, this is the only card I can play is to just, you know, get me out of here. <laughs> you know, I really think he, there's an expectation that it's coming. I mean, Jim Mercer pushed back really hard on, on the idea of changing how the franchise tag is paid. Did he not? And so you can say that wasn't about Jonathan Taylor, and I will give you the benefit of the doubt. But <laughs> yeah. you you seemed really upset about it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, I, I would say to your point, yeah, find some common ground. I wish that, you know I think that would be the the best outcome for everyone. The other thing I will leave you with is this: you mentioned it already. The big loser here is Anthony Richardson, and that's who that's who I think is coming up short here because. He's about to get thrown in the fire here, rightfully so. I think that's the right play. But he's about to get thrown in the fire, it sure looks like. And he's not going to, at least at the moment, he doesn't have his biggest weapon uh, as he attempts to do that.
Yeah. And, and once again, to the effect, you can look at it as this organization is incapable at times of getting out of its own way. That's how many are going to view it. Yeah. It's a mess. It's a mess. All right. Hey, the latest on ESPN.com is Stephen Holder and uh, new stuff regarding the soap opera between the Colts and Jonathan Taylor. That's at ESPN.com as he covers the Colts. Man, I appreciate you hopping on here today. Uh, there, there's no rest, so you might as well. I'm not, I would say, hey, get a little bit of rest, but forget that. You're not going to get rest <laughs> until at least January. So be ready. <laughs> yeah, I'm off to the Sports Center for the 17th time All right. last week. <laughs> they, do you do you say that you they say kind of the same thing in each one, or do you change it? Up. Uh, no, it've been different days for the most part. So we we would try. We generally try to try to vary the topics too. So yeah, <laughs> at least a little bit. Don't get caught in a still shot with your eyes shut, like you're not paying attention, not like we used to do to Wells all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm always bright eyed and bushy tailed. <laughs> all right, buddy. I appreciate you. Have a good one. All right. Take care. It's uh, Stephen Older on the Eddie Moore Automotive Group byline. Man, it seems so incredibly simple, alas. Evidently, it is not. Top of the hour, Chapel's going to be in here. We're going to talk about Anthony Richardson getting the one-dog snaps here. And you know, obviously, he missed that day with the nasal cavity surgery. They want to get that back. Talk to Mike about that. The injury to the foot of DeForest Buckner today and more with Mike Chapel. top of the hour. In the next 30 minutes, somebody's going to go see or at least win tickets to go see Dave Chappelle coming up at Cambridge Fieldhouse. Your chance to win is coming up. Don't go anywhere. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Well, you're going to have to say that. You're going to have to speak up because I can't hear you. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, how about a birthday shout-out here? James Hetfield. Lead of Metallica celebrates a birthday. All right, James, you're a metalhead over there. You probably go even deeper here than Metallica. I saw Once Upon a Time, Lamb of God open up for Metallica, and I barely heard what Metallica did when they came on because Lamb of God was so ridiculously loud. How old is James Hetfield? James, go. Metalhead James, go. Uh, is he 60? Oh, he's 60-something, I think. Is he 61 or 62? James Hetfield. James Allen Hetfield of Downey, California. Um, primary songwriter, co-founder, guitarist, lead vocalist of the heavy metal band Metallica. Celebrating his 60th birthday oh, today. 60 today. Okay. He is. Are you a Metallica guy? I like the first four albums a lot. So after that, you think they went soft like everybody else? I don't think they went soft. Like I enjoy the Black Album. Yeah. Load and Reload are okay in the right frame of mind. Saint Anger is uh, um, after really after Saint Anger is where I kind of stopped listening. What's your favorite Metallica song? Favorite Metallica song? Uh, I love Creeping Death. I oh, think Creeping Death Creeping is my favorite. Death. James Hetfield is 60 years old today. I've seen Metallica twice in my lifetime, 1996 or 97, Lollapalooza. One of those years, Lollapalooza. And I saw, they were the headliner. That was a great Lollapalooza, too. That was Metallica, Soundgarden. The Ramones were a part of that. Waylon Jennings. That was the one, if you guys remember, if you attended that one, Waylon Jennings was up on stage and just, no, he wasn't singing that yet. He was singing Waylon Jennings classics before Dukes of Hazard, And as they would tend to do back in the day up there, they were throwing garbage all over the place. 
at the then Deer Creek Music Center, and the garbage was going up on stage and coming near and at times striking Waylon Jennings. And one of the best moves I've ever seen in my life, James Hetfield came out in the midst of a song, grabbed the microphone, and told the Indianapolis crowd, throwing garbage out there, if you continue to throw garbage and don't give this man the proper respect that he deserves, then we're not going to come on this stage and play a blanking note. (laughs) And then everybody went, yeah. And he went right into the Dukes of Hazzard theme, and everybody went crazy. James Hetfield, 60 years old today. That was one of the coolest things that I have ever seen at a show is when he did that. Definitely pretty awesome. At JMV1070 on Twitter, JMV, I'm not a lawyer. I don't claim to be and didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. However, if Jonathan Taylor were to sit out, how would he not be in breach of contract? Well, if he sits out, he's not going to get paid. So that is problematic right there. Thus, cannot see it happening. But Stephen Holder, as he mentioned, can't see him playing here. It seems like that his side is certainly more dug in and disgruntled than that of the Colts. And I can tell you this, that they do. They want to see him play out this deal and expect him to do that. Now, my question would be, could you, for the situation, you know, not throw something in there? That's what I asked Stephen Holder, something in there for the effort. Something for the time and the effort that would bring these two sides closer, even if you ultimately don't want to give him an extension right now. Is there a certain amount of money where he'd be willing this year to take on and come back? The other part of this equation is, too, the reason why you want to sit out, I mean, that that loses another year off your existence as an NFL player. Again, in a position where you don't last very long in the first place. And you also... I mean, you're going to have to prove it to some folks. And I will also tell you, if the Colts and Jim Mercer, if they come off of their position to which they think that all is lost and we are now going to have to trade him, I think teams will absolutely jump at the proposition of trading something much less than a third rounder for a talent like this, even if it is a one-year rental. No matter what you think about the position, there are some teams out there that think, all right, you have this guy and add this to our offense. I mentioned Miami. I don't know if that's a possibility. I just think that it's much more viable to believe that teams would be okay without, you know, signing him to an extension and bringing him on board knowing how low, and this is going to be a low ball price tag, you would assume, right? how low, how little you would have to pl- uh, to pay to ultimately get him for this season if you think you're close to help out your offense. So I think that that situation is much more viable than others may believe. JMV, I never saw Metallica in concert, but I did get to see Tool in Cincinnati come out for an encore and play Master of Puppets. That was pretty dope. Yeah, that Hetfield thing at Lollapalooza was awesome. Give this man the proper respect that he deserves and stop throwing stuff or we're not going to come out and play a blanking note.
This is glorious. Uh, Corey Kenny writes this. You need to do a show from Buffaloes. I mentioned a little bit earlier, Buffaloes is going to open up another location. The noted Buffaloes, the legendary Buffaloes from Bloomington, a location in Carmel. And for me, it'd be easier to drive to Bloomington to Buffaloes than it would to Carmel to Buffaloes. But I would expect at some point, if Buffaloes, if if you're smart on this too, you get me in the door up there to do a show, I'm ready. I am ready. Uh, and oh, by the way, go Cubs. Uh, the Cubs have put up 36 runs in two games. And I never, ever, ever want to see the lineup that David Bell had out there last night again. I'm okay with never, ever seeing it again. I'm not mad. I'm not upset. I know that it was embarrassing. You watched Nick Senzel. You talk about a monstrosity of an embarrassment. Who do you think was more embarrassed the past two nights here? Ben Lively, the night before last where he gave up 13 earned runs? Or Nick Senzel, who had three boots at third base last night? Or Luke Maley, who back-to-back days, the backup catcher came out there and had to close out a game? Yeah, they've had some bad moments. That is for real right there. I think Lively just went on the IL. Lively gave up 13 earned runs. David Bell said, you know what? We can't go to the bullpen. And as you saw last night, they, they really do kind of suck anyway. At least everybody but Diaz, for the most part. And you saw that with you know Lucas Farmer and Buck Sims. Changing their names around for effect. But between that and Sinzel and Lively and Maley going out there twice. But again, you get a split tonight. Take that thing back up to four games. You know, maintain a small edge advantage in the central. Go back home, so be it. 239-1070 is the number. Eric, before the break, jump on here. Hey boss, how you doing today? Fantastic, Eric. Go I, ahead. I, I got I got a good one for you, man. Nineteen ninety nine Deer Creek Clash of the Titans tour. It was Alice Chains opened up. Uh, Anthrax came on after them. Megadeth was third, and to close the night out was Slayer. Whoa! Dollar ticket, dude. Yeah, you are. I was in like three mosh pits that night, man. Oh, and oh, with a busted up lip, the black eye, and. You yeah, are you are and, giving my producer Metalhead James a bit of a heavy metal arousal over there. Or I can't say that. I guess it'd be a semi. Well, <laughs> being born in 1970, I'm an old metalhead, and yeah, the party uh, continued on at my buddy's house after we got oh, home. Oh man, and nothing quite yeah, like a, lot, a, a lot of a, chemicals a, in the body, man. A, a party, <laughs> a party built around Slayer is a hell of a party, right there, right? Oh my God, dude! And it was yeah. I mean, Slayer. That was. When uh, you already know, 99, they oh, were yeah. really hitting hard then. I just had to throw that one at you, John. You started talking about good concerts. And, yeah, that was a uh, kick-ass of James Hetfield. Oh, uh, that, Hetfield's man. a dude, man. Waiting Jennings, dude. Hetfield's a dude that commands respect wherever he goes. I love that. I mean, he just controls. Yeah. He does, hey, everything's stopping you know, right that, here. Yeah. 
that is the only concert regret I ever had was I never saw Metallica. I've seen Slayer four times. I've seen Slipknot five times, but I never saw Slayer. But I mean, never saw Metallica back in the day. Yeah, Eric, but, thank you for the call. I've seen them twice. A lot of the Palooza. I saw them at um, at Gamebridge Fieldhouse once. That's when Lamb of God opened up for them. Lamb of God. I wanted to be like the old dude and go, hey, uh, can somebody turn this down just a little bit here? Good God. I mean, my whole body was shaking. Lamb of God. They had that thing cranked up. Like, I have, I struggle with hearing now. How do these guys hear anything when they're around that level of music all the time like that? Not yeah. sure. I'm not sure they do hear anything at this age. I wonder. I, I know the story with Brian Johnson, for example, with oh, ACDC. Yeah. But man, that was loud. That was the Lamb of God was the loudest. I mean, it almost ruined it for Metallica because I couldn't even hear what they were doing half the time. My ears were ringing so loud. And it was inside, inside Gambridge Fieldhouse. Uh, other side, your call. Stephen Holder a little bit earlier in the podcast at 107.5thefan.com. Our Backyard Bourbon broadcast first-time winner, the host that's going to host coming up tomorrow. We'll announce that coming up as well. My chapel top of the hour. Dave Chappelle tickets in the next 10 minutes. You can listen to win. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. The sportos, motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Dave Chappelle is a comedic genius. He's coming to Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Tickets available. Dave Chappelle, comedic genius. Number nine at 239-1070 is going to go on us. Thanks to our friends at Live Nation. Thank you all, uh, as you always help us out here. My man Kyle and obviously uh, Jimmy, who's over at TCU Amphitheater, involved a lot too, and uh, always getting great tickets. Thank you guys very much. Dave Chappelle. There's nothing better than watching old Dave Chappelle show reruns too. That's absolutely outstanding number nine at 239 1070 is going to go see dave Chappelle. get those tickets now uh block by block tweeted me this can you give a shout out to friday pilots friday pilots club fronted by north central grad are you guys ready caleb hiltunen did i get that right caleb hiltunen they're making their Lollapalooza 2023 debut coming up on Saturday. I think that's up at uh, is that in Grand Park in Chicago. Now, they used to have a tour of Lollapalooza. That's what I was talking about a little bit earlier, but now I think they just do one in Chicago. But that is uh, Friday Pilots. Let me go ahead and see that. Yeah, Friday Pilots Club is what it's called. Friday Pilots Club. And uh, they are fronted by North Central grad Caleb Hiltunen. I have a great time this weekend up at Lollapalooza 2023. T. Shaw writes this, who yelled at fans better, Hetfield or bloated steak and shake Vince Neal at Legends in Bloomington? Yeah, uh, old event. Bloated Vince didn't command the crowd. Vince came out there after like, I don't know, an hour-long wait backstage where the concert promoter came on stage at Legends. This was back in the late 90s at Legends in Bloomington. 
and suggested the reason why Vince had yet to be on stage to do his Motley Crue songs was because he, quote, got a hold of some bad steak and shake. (laughs) So Vince came out, played about half of Kickstart My Heart, um, told his band to shut her down, and it wasn't his Motley Crue band, it was just him, told his band to shut her down. And said, you blankers are not like a Hollywood, California bunch of blankers. And our response was, well, that's because Vince, you're on stage, bloated and loaded up with Steak and Shake in Bloomington, Indiana. That's why. At Legends. So the Hetfield certainly had more effect than bloated Vince Neal did back in 1997. But that's a hell of a story right there. Hell of a story. All right, Daryl, on the other side, we'll get to that. Mike Chappell. So, one dog, Anthony Richardson. All the one snaps last couple of days. We'll talk to Mike about that. The foot injury to DeForest Buckner and a lot more with Mike Chappell coming up on the other side. Yacht Rock Review tickets to give away as well. And when I return, where we're going tomorrow. The host of our first Backyard Bourbon broadcast. I'll tell you who that's going to be and maybe a hint to where the location is as well. That's coming up here in a matter of minutes. Top of the hour, 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Excuse me, Robo. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? Stay out of trouble. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. You can buy me a truck to pull it. All right, so tomorrow is our first Backyard Bourbon broadcast. We are going. I'll do this tomorrow, too, and uh, I'll see how the host feels about me giving hints. And again, it's worked out really good in the past, and then one time it didn't. (laughs) So... (laughs) Um, which may be enough to stay away from it, but not for me. I like to roll the dice and take my chances on this, right? I mean, one time, one time I kind of gave out the location a little bit and some dudes showed up and took about four pizzas and and some of our bourbon and then left. <laughs> so that was one time. It didn't work out great. All the other times it did. But coming up tomorrow, Backyard Bourbon Broadcast brought to you by Evan, or Heaven Hill Distillery and Evan Williams. Uh, Food provided by Richard and Ford's Garage, home of a JMV Burger. And I believe if you guys had that recently, the JMV Burger has peanut butter on it. Thank you, Ford's Garage and Richard's. And Bell's in the house with our guy Ryan Stoltz. So that begins tomorrow. I mentioned, too, we're going to have one. An end of summer, and this thing's coming together like you would not believe right now. An end of summer bash we're going to have for the next one, which is going to allow everybody to show up. And not just for the afternoon, but I think for the entire weekend. We're doing a weekender. Weekend bender. Uh, That's Labor Day weekend, and that's still coming up. Meantime, we are going to the Noblesville estate of one Jeffrey Lawrence tomorrow. The Noblesville estate of one Jeffrey Lawrence tomorrow. I'll give you some hints about where you may or maybe not will be able to locate 
the estate of Jeffrey Lawrence. But that's where we're going to be tomorrow for our Backyard Bourbon broadcast in Noblesville. So I'll make sure I grab my passport when I get home tonight so I can get into Hamilton County. And uh, here we come. Backyard Bourbon Broadcast is back tomorrow. The host will be one Jeffrey Lawrence. Noblesville. I'll give you hints on tomorrow's show about that location, too. As long as nobody gets mad. And again, thanks to everybody involved. It's going to be an absolute blast. Michael Wade Moss says, hey, JMV, how'd you like the new coaster at Holiday World is getting? I have not been to, my my kids have been to Holiday World. I have not been to Holiday World this summer, and and I have deprived Holiday World, uh, what I used to kind of joke about being uh, Southern Indiana's largest outdoor public bath. I have deprived them of me being shirtless for an afternoon, and I don't know how much longer I can do that because they got to have a little bit of shirtless me down there at some point, but I have not been there yet. Kids have, though. Stephen Holder, a little bit earlier, ESPN.com. Podcast is up there with a lot of info for you, Colts fans, regarding that situation. As the world turns up in Westfield at Grand Park, Stephen Holder, that podcast at 107.5thefan.com. Yacht Rock review tickets before the end of this show. And again, tomorrow, the Backyard Bourbon broadcast in Noblesville. And we're going to be with Jeffrey Lawrence tomorrow. Fam and friends. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, CBS 4 and Fox 59, uh, he was one of the two, along with Stephen Holder, that uh, got the information regarding you know, the possibility if they wanted to utilize that, they being the Colts, the non-football-related injury list, which also got a response via Twitter from Jonathan Taylor, who said that, Mike, you need to get new sources. <laughs> In this case, I'll I'll, I'll stick with my sources. (laughs) I think you're okay. Yeah, I can imagine where your sources are, and I I think you're okay with that. I'll start here, and then I'll move on, because we've talked about that, for the most part, all week long. And I know everybody is kind of beaten down from it, especially those that cover it on a daily basis. But I asked Stephen Holder this, and I'm curious your response to it as well. Are these irreconcilable differences we're talking about here with both sides? I, I mean, you'd think so. I, I, I just can't get myself to believe that because for that to be the case, one, the Colts would have to, I don't say cave in, but, but change course and decide to trade him, which is possible. I mean, Jimmy told us, you know, not now, not in October, which is a trade dead, deadline, but things change. I, I remember in 2011 in July, we Anderson and, Peyton signs his new extension, new contract, and he says, I'm glad to be a Colt for life. <laughs> he never played again <laughs> yeah. for the Colts. So, you know, I still can't believe Jim Mersey did that, by the way. I still can't believe that. <laughs> so, so believe. you know, th- th- things change, yeah. and I still think if I had to bet $100 of my money that Taylor will be on the opening day roster because the other option is that he that he does take this to DEFCON 1 and he, 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 he stays on pup or whatever, which is no good for either side, particularly him, because whether he likes it or not, and Jim Mersey didn't really say it right. I know what he was saying where he said, if I die tonight and Jonathan Dana is no longer in the league, the NFL will go on. Well, he's right, but it's, it's, there's better ways of saying it, I guess. But I just have to believe that at some point, 
Jonathan Taylor will realize that his best option is to swallow his pride and, and practice and play because if he doesn't, I mean, we could do this again next year. If if there's a suspension or NFI or the contract holds, so you know it's irreconcilable. I don't think so, but you know maybe we're not that far away from being there. Why is this so difficult? I mean, why is it? I mean, when when both sides should understand as easily as we understand, and we're not even in this business, but as easily well, as we understand, they need one another here. Why why is there no common ground? It, it's so difficult in my mind because both sides are right. Both sides, I think, have very, very strong views that I could, as a senior at Ball State in in debate class, I could take either side and really make a strong case. But just because both sides are right doesn't mean that this is going to – I think that's what makes it harder is that Taylor's got some very, very strong evidence or whatever you want to call it that he deserves it, he's earned it, and all that. And, oh, by the way, you've done this through six, eight players in the past who who you would argue that haven't been as impactful as him. You know, the, the Shacks and Quentin and Braden Smith and on and on and on. And, and, and then the team can go, come back and, and they both Ursay and Chris Bowder sort of mentioned that, hey, things have changed, uh, you know, coming off a four-win season and a new coaching staff and, and oh, by the way, the injury. So I, I can totally understand that. One thing I would love to to get an answer for, and we won't ever, is is to either talk to Chris or Shane Steichen and say, you know, what 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 does Shane Steichen, what, what's his belief, what's his evaluation of Jonathan Taylor, and you know, has all of a sudden the new coach come in and said, you know, in my offense that's quarterback driven, we don't need. A, a top five running back. We, we can get by with a Miles Sanders or in, in, in a backs by committee. And let's not, you know, invest 13, 14, 15 million dollars a year in a, in, in a running back. You know, it, it, do I believe that's the case? I don't know, but it's possible. And so, again, I think both sides have very, very strong arguments, which makes compromise difficult because each side believes in their heart that they're right. But somebody's got to give. I I just don't know that the team will. It it does set a bad precedent when you when a player not asked but but demands a trade. I mean, I realize Stephon Gilmore did, and I realize Naheem Hines did, and both got trades. This is different. It's, it's just different. So I I don't know. And the sad part is again, you've got a, a great player. And again, you, you, you've got you've, you've got the player who realizes how important he is to the team. You know, when Jim Mersey says, you know, we love Jonathan and we expect him to come in and we hope he comes in and can help Anthony Richardson be have a great season. Well, all you're doing is then telling JT that he's really, really important to you. And by the way, we're not going to give you an extension. And and then Jimmy said, you know, and he's right, where he says, you know this organization has taken care of its players. And he's talking about all those guys extended. Well, yeah, but except here's JT sitting here saying, wait a minute, what about me? So, again, I think both I don't think either side's wrong. Uh, if one side was just flat out wrong, it would be very easy, I think, for it to be resolved or easier to be resolved. This is difficult. There's so many moving parts. 
And one of the parts that's not moving is JT. He's out there every day in his hoodie watching. And we've been reduced as a media to reading body language. Yeah, we've been well, down that path before. That's nothing. That's nothing new for this group here, right? Yeah. Right. And so that that's not good. And again, I it, it seems to me that the next move, I think Stephen's written that that the NFI that we were talk that we talked about, he and I talked about over the weekend, that the team, you know, that's a weapon. But boy, that's that's really really taking it up five notches. It it, it certainly gives the team the ultimate leverage, but. You don't want to do that. And it, it seems to me like at some point where we're headed is the team says, we think you're ready to practice. And JT says, no, I'm not. And then I assume there's a there's, there's some kind of a grievance filed. And then the union gets involved. And then, you know, then what? I don't know. Because whenever you can't make a guy practice who says he's injured. You can't do it. It's just really hard to do, hard to prove and all that. And... and as, as some guys at the start pointed out, this injury, this surgery, uh, normally has a four to six week rehab time. Well, goodness, we're six months into it, six months plus. So it's it's just there's so many moving parts in this, and there's no easy, simple solution. And both sides are dug in, and I I, I'm, I just want it over because it just sort of dominates everything else going on in camp now you know this as well as i do uh, the colts do expect him and they want to see him play and perform this year before they hand down anything longer term right. and pay him more um would they move off of that mike just in terms of this year and maybe give him a bump something you know for the time of the effort this year in this final year of his contract something that he could be in the moment happy with that can move him off of his position if they move a little bit off of theirs. Is there any common ground possibilities with that in mind? I, it wouldn't be out of, the, out of the realm of possibility to do that, to give him whatever rework the deal where you give him an extra, but, but what extra would you need to give him? Three million, four million, six million? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, they did that similar, I guess, but certainly different situations. But remember when, Jacoby Brissett all of a sudden was their starter. Yeah. And he had the, you know, the, at the tail end of the rookie contract, and they redid it and gave him, you know, what amounted to mid midline starter uh, pay for those two years. So anything's possible, but, but what would it take? How much would they have to, to to fork over to have him say, okay, now, you know, and, and, and who, who doesn't think that the, as soon as that, that happens, he's not practicing? Which tells you all along that maybe this was a hold in all along, and and he, th- this was totally about the contract, which some people believe. So yeah, I think they could do that. I don't know why they wouldn't, but what would it take to have JT say, okay, that's enough. Now I can come in, and you know, and then he has a good year, a really good year, whatever. And then they franchise him, and then we go through the Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs stuff next year. But at least that would take care of this year. And at this point. Maybe that's all you want to do. It's crazy when you say, well, it, it makes no sense to give a running back a long-term contract. Well, but we're not – with running backs, we're not talking six years. We're talking a two- or three-year deal. And in running back life, that, that's what a long-term deal is now. And that's why with a, with a running back and – with a running back, especially a top-tier one, 
One, you need to strike while you can and get what you can. At the same time, you need to get while you can, you know, now. Uh, in holding out, just, you know, I'd like to see where this Josh Jacob thing goes with the Raiders. Because holding out and, and threatening your money, a lot of times that's money you never get back. So it's really dicey. You hope that the player's getting good advice. I, I would question whether he is or not. I, I don't think he is. But that's up to him. He's a big boy. And if he doesn't think he and if he doesn't agree with what's been said or whatever, then step up and say, No, this is what we're gonna do. But the fact he changed he changed agents. Remember before he changed agents, he was well, you know, I like an extension, but I put pen to paper, I signed a four year deal. Well, that's changed. You know, all of a sudden those quotes back in whatever it was, March or April, whenever we talked to him, has changed dramatically. And uh it's gotten very, very contentious, obviously. But it, it it could be resolved somehow with with extra money or whatever. But gosh darn, they need him. He needs them because again, it, it, it comes September 10th, they'll play a game and there will be a running back, whether it's JT or Deion Jackson or whomever. So Mike Chapel of CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Some of these these videos you're talking about, you know, reading body language, and yeah, this takes us back to the whole Andrew Luck era, which makes me want to vomit immediately. I'm sure it probably does you as well. But we're kind of forced into that situation now. And there were some video shots a little bit earlier this week of what it looked like Jonathan Taylor limping around. What what is your belief? His injury situation or lack thereof. Right now, the only injury that we know for sure, f- f- without question, was the right ankle. He had that debridement surgery, and that was j- end of January, and that's it. I mean, both Steve and I were told about possible back issue in the off season, working out in Arizona, which would you know give him a ch- the, the possibility of a non football injury, but. Nothing else. I mean, if this is simply the high ankle sprain from last year and where he got, you know, the old loose bodies taken out of the ankle, then that should have been healed by now. It's Again, it's a four- to six-week uh, uh, rehab. So did he did he do something else? Again, he was he was at uh, the off-season works and the veteran minicamp and didn't do anything. So so when, if there's another injury, when, did that, when might that have happened? And if he if he's out in Arizona working out on his own, and they really wanted him here. They wanted him to work out here, rehab here, after the OTAs and all that, and, and he chose not to. But if he's out in Arizona and he twists his ankle again or does something, that's non-football. That's considered by the NFL non-football because you're away from the team. But we've been given no, you know, nothing from the team officially that it's anything more than – the, the ankle surgery that he's not yet recovered from. We've not been told it's a hamstring, it's a back, anything by the team officially. So I, I've said from the start in the last 10 days, I, I, I wish JT would walk over one day and talk and, and just clear the air and give us his side of it. You know, no back and forth with the agent and the owner and all this. It's just him telling us what's going on. But until we get his side from him, you're just left to wonder what the heck's going on. What's, what do you think is more logical here that the Colts may play? If I only give you two choices, 
is that maybe a little bit of bump in this final year of his contract salary-wise this year that would at least be adequate enough for him to move forward right now and, and come off of, of his stance, hardline stance right now, or going against what Jim said earlier in the week or late last week, if you will, and trading him someplace? Well, of the two, I would say a bumping pay, I think. I, I want, Unless they simply want to avoid a totally toxic situation and they want to just get rid of him. I, I just don't know that they do that because I don't know what – first, I'm not sure what kind of market they're getting. They got a two and a five for Marshall Falk back in the day, which has been forever ago. But what if he goes to a team and, and, he, and with the trade he demands, hey, that extension I was talking about with him, I want with you guys. So I, I, it, it makes, I guess, more sense to, to sweeten the pot a little – what, again, what a little is to get it done, I don't know. Uh, it, it's uh, I just maybe they're still considering a trade because you always have to keep that door open. It sets a really a bad precedent to have a, your best play, your best offensive player force his way out of town. Yeah, no doubt about that. This whole thing is a bad situation. It's almost like we're we're so used to bad situations that this one, uh, while having yeah. impact, we've become a little bit numb to this stuff to a degree. Yeah, but it, but it, and it's a little different though because again, you do have, you know, from the team's point, you've got a rookie quarterback, and you know, again, one thing Jimmy talked about was, boy, I just I just remember what Marshall Falk meant to Peyton Manning in 1998. Well, yeah, he did, and. And then you traded Falk (laughs) before the next season. You traded Falk because he was going to hold out for a new contract. So, but yeah, it's it's really it. You kind of get used to it, but in the moment you're thinking, please get this thing over so we can worry about how the quarterback's advancing, how's the offensive line playing, will Juju Brents ever practice? You know, (laughs) and and those kind of things. How's the foot of DeForest Buckner? By the way, do you have an answer? No, no, but you always, you know, generally in camp, if a guy's got an owie, he doesn't practice, whether it's something that's lingered or he doesn't practice. So we'll see. I would, you know, I won't be surprised if he misses a few days, or I won't be surprised if we get news that he did something. You just don't know. Because uh, again, camp, they just, they're very secretive about things and, and, and they don't really let things get out. So Bucks, Bucks foot, it will certainly be worth monitoring in the days. Uh, the days ahead i'm assuming that and and i know that you've thought about this as well but i'm assuming that shane steichen evidently is cool with all this because i, I think about it from this standpoint he must have some level of security uh, in a belief that he can find and make up for any losses of Jonathan Taylor. This is year number one with him as a head coach. You get a rookie quarterback with very little at all collegiate experience. And it would seem to me logical that you would want somebody of Jonathan Taylor's impact that we've actually seen production-wise out there. So evidently he feels relatively sure that he can make up for that. Is that that's something we can read into without obviously he's not going to answer it if you ask him that, but can we read into that? Well, I, I, I would say no, because he, he really isn't really a player in this. This is between the owner, the general manager. But he's ultimately and, on the hook for it though. I, I'd kind of yeah, want, no question, and they've given him a lot. It seems like a, a little bit to say, and obviously leverage to be himself in his first year as a coach. I, it seems like that if he really did want this to happen, would he not convey that information to his general manager and 
than to his owner through his general manager here? I, I mean, well, that's what that, that's what I said. You mean, you, you really kind of wonder in, in their offseason meetings if he, when they go over personnel, he said, "Yeah, Taylor's a great player, but you know, I can I can get by with." You know, a back to by committee. If we have you know some some decent players, which right now they really don't. I mean, Deion Jackson's there is their most experienced, healthy player. And what's a running back? And what was that stat that someone put out there that the player with the most rushing attempts right now is Gardner Minshew with, with, with Taylor and, and Moth both out. So you know, it, it's we were talking on our podcast today with Fox Fifty Nine is. A lot of these coaches say, you know, I'm 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 just fine with the backs by committee. We've been successful and it's worked. Well, maybe they've never had that that stud running back. And if you give these guys the stud running back, then they say, oh, I, I guess it's better to have one guy, you know, one main guy, and then and then sprinkle people in. So, and that's why I mentioned I'm just wondering, you know, what what did Shane Steich and what was his two cents worth when they were evaluating players? And we're, we'll never know that. But, you know, you go back and look, Philly had, uh, was it Miles Sanders last year with 1,200 yards to the Super Bowl? And then, see, I'm sorry. The numbers don't equate to that being a running back by committee because no, the agree. two other dudes in the backfield that ran that football for them, other than Jalen Hurts, who went for 700-plus, two other dudes had, I think, uh, 200 and some change between them. Right. I, I, I agree. I agree. The quarterback sort of throws it off kilter when you're saying backs by committee because – the quarterback gives you seven, eight hundred yards, and yeah. if, you're, if you're Lamar Jackson, it gives you a thousand. You know, Justin Fields type of thing. So, it, it's. But I, I short of, of Shane Steichen going into the owner and saying, "I need Jonathan Taylor." We both know that he's you know really, really close, if not ready to practice. Let's get this thing over with. Now, I, again, I don't know whether that whether the a head coach, a new head coach, would would feel empowered to do that. I just think he's sort of. You know, not, not not right in the middle of this to where he's got that kind of influence to do that. This is, like I said, this is above, sort of above his pay grade, I guess. But for anyone to think that that there, there won't be a drop off, a major drop off from Jonathan Taylor to anybody else, yes. anybody else, Zach Moss, Deion Jackson, whomever, uh, they're crazy. The, and, and all you're going all you're going to do is is hurt the development of your rookie quarterback or or Gardner Minshew for that matter, if you don't have JT in the lineup in September. Do they see any of the silliness they being the Colts, you think, in this right now? Well, it depends on who you – when you say who they is. Yeah, but I, I a guess. Lot they, well, a lot of they – Let's go down the line. I mean, obviously the owner doesn't. <laughs> we have no idea what, what Chris Ballard thinks. Oh, um, I got a good one. Wouldn't you love to have, to have been alongside Chris Ballard when he saw Jim Irsay's tweet? Well, I mean, you know, he's he's kind of like us. He should be used to it by now. I know, but and, but and, and really, help. hey, Mike, Mike, that said, here's how I view it too, and I think you can fairly view it this way. That makes him look bad because you know you get a, a team that's not willing to extend a guy that yeah, Jim Irsay agreed go out and get him. What three years prior in the draft and right. trade up in round number two, but think, and but you're going to have this pain. guy. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I know, but they haven't changed that dramatically. The necessity, the need for him, is still with them right now. It has hasn't changed that dramatically well again but but you've got a running back who who, who believes you know and again going into this offseason a lot of us thought you know michael pittman would get extended or at least had a good chance in and jt and now probably neither are going to get it 
So, again, all I can say is things have changed, and it ha- it it hasn't helped a bit. I mean, there have been a lot of times players have wanted an extension, didn't get it, and they've kind of grumbled about it, and, and then they go to work. Because, you know, it's $4 million. It's $4.3 million. And, hey, it, it, isn't, it isn't an average of $16 million like McCaffrey's got, but it's 4.3. And we talked about this several weeks a month ago about – if the Colts wanted to play really hardball, you make JT play this year at 4.3, and then you franchise it a year or two. And that that would really irritate the player. But at the same time, if he's productive, he's going to make about 20, I don't know, 28, $29 million. You know, so that, that's not that bad. It's just that, you know, the, the franchise tag gives a team leverage over any player. It's supposed to be for a quarterback. could be any player, tight ends, whomever. Uh, like I say, I keep coming back to the fact that he's got some very strong arguments, but so does the team, and the team is the team. And, and they will have, the owner will have the final say. I, w- when the agent came out and, and sort of went back and forth with the owner, I'm thinking, I can think of a lot of people I'd rather get into a, you know, a, a word of, or, or, you know, a war of words with than the owner. Because barring things changing, he's not going to change his stance. And it's really difficult to try to push an owner into a corner and make him do something he doesn't want to do. So, again, maybe in a couple – I guess in a couple weeks we're going to know something because somebody's got to do something. But right now this is an impasse that is really dug in. Yeah, it um, it, it's something to me. Do you think at all? And before I let you go, Mike Chapel, by the way, CBS Four Fox Fifty Nine with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Is there any way you can view this as as in this fashion? So you extended a left guard, you extended a linebacker. Um, those are so called not essential positions right. of play in the NFL. Um, third time not to charm with this. Do we see this as a change? Because you mentioned earlier, you know, at the time, and things have changed, at the time, Chris Ballard, that was a part of his blueprint and his plan and how he felt effectively he should be building this team, which after six years, we know that to be flawed. Is that a change of heart, you think, in the rebuild and how this team is being put together in the future? Obviously, they drafted a quarterback of those means, but is this a change of heart not going with a non-essential player, even though he's put up numbers and been productive in the past, like we see with Jonathan Taylor? Well, but I I would consider running back an essential position in this offense. You know, maybe not across the league, but, you know, certainly not for Kansas City with Pacheco, a seventh-round pick, but, oh, they got Patrick Mahomes. So I, I think I think running back is an essential position with this team right now. Uh, so is it a change? Maybe he's maybe he's kind of being more cautious. I think, but what he told us he, he he sort of told us in his own way on when we talked to him when camp opened that 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 this was going to be different because hey Jonathan's a great player we love him and all this stuff, but again he did, then he went over the four win team and. And the market is what the market is, and we got a new coaching staff. And this coaching staff has not seen Jonathan Taylor practice, let alone play. So all of that sort of figures in. Michael Pittman's a little different as far as not getting his yet because, you know, receivers are, are, are commanding $22, $25 million a year. And I'm not sure these guys are ready to swallow and do that yet. 
Taylor's, I, I would give Taylor his, his extension if it was reasonable, you know, 13, 14 million, I guess. The guaranteed money is what's important. But these guys have decided, for right or wrong, that they're, they're not prepared to do that. Was it uh, Jimmy said, well, you know, that's something we'll address after the season, which Taylor doesn't want to hear. Again, somebody's got a blink, and <laughs> it, I, I would think it's going to be Taylor first, but who knows? <laughs> yeah. It's so much fun, isn't it? Isn't it, it just is. great? Uh, just great. I mean, if it I, goes. If I, again, if I, if I had to bet $100 of my own money on, on Taylor being active in the opener, I would say yes. I mean, for the Colts, let's say for the Colts, I'd say no, yes. I would agree. Yes, because I just, I just, my head can't wrap around him really digging in and, and forcing the issue to where he's suspended, he's on pup or NFI. That is so detrimental to the player. Forget the team; it's detrimental to the player and a guy that's what he's twenty-four. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But it's his career. Yeah. Yeah, I I I absolutely agree. But uh, it's we've been down so many different paths here. Oh, it's it's absolutely. I you know try to wrap your 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 head around this for a moment too. If somebody would have told you two three weeks ago that Jonathan Taylor was going to be so massively vilified in the eyes of Colts fans, would you have ever thought that in the fashion in not which really, he is right not now? Really. Yeah, because he had never shown that aggressive nature again i'm it's not been that long ago that he said hey i signed a four-year contract yeah you know i and, and that's that quickly things can change and, and let, let's say that that we wake up tomorrow and lo and behold they give him an extension and three years or whatever then everybody kiss and makes up and then the fans will be, will be happy let's keep in mind yep he's got a mural up on lucas oil stadium he does doesn't take him very long to take that stuff good. down, though, does it? <laughs> it done, it done, it's probably expensive, but they've done it a lot to you know take one down and put one up. Yeah, well, it's not it's not as expensive as taking a whale from one side of the country to the other. I know that. So, <laughs> or buying Ringo drums or Ringo Starr's drum set. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've got so much comedy. This oh, is comedy for days, right here. It really is. So, hey, buddy, I appreciate you. Did you have my? Uh, my burger at Ford's Garage? No, I got the chicken fingers, but I, I always laugh. <laughs> my my, uh, my daughter was in from Philly, and my wife and I took her up there, and that's a cool place. And it then, is. you know, they, they had yeah. the, they had the, the windows or the the doors open, but now I I just saw yours and I thought, nah, I don't want that. So nah, I my man, my man. I think that thing's rocking like fourteen hundred calories too. So it'll well, fill, that, it'll that, fill you up. That, then then get a diet coke to drink with it. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you. Next week. It's uh, Mike Chappell there. CBS Ford Fox 15. I love that answer. Hey, did you get my, my burger at Ford's Garage? No, nah, I got the chicken fingers. A hey, quick break. We'll come back with you on hold and more coming up. Your chance to win Yacht Rock Review tickets and tomorrow's Backyard Bourbon broadcast has a location. Tell you where that is next. The Ride with JMV. Ah! Fart in your general direction. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberry. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. James is here. I'm John. And we're going to uh, the Jeffrey Lawrence Estate in Noblesville coming up tomorrow for the Backyard Bourbon Broadcast. 
Um, uh, provided everybody's okay with it, I may give a couple of hints here or there as to our location, but I can just tell you right now it's in Noblesville, and thanks to Brent Halverson, Evan Williams, that's Heaven Hill Distillery, and Richard at Ford's Garage, the side of the JMV Burger, and Bells with my guy Ryan Stoltz. So many different facets in which we can take advantage of drinking and a lot of food and our Backyard Bourbon broadcast tomorrow originates from the estate of one Jeffrey Lawrence. It's tomorrow from 3 until 7. Remember, I have Colts Happy Hour from 6 until 7. So 3 until 7 coming up tomorrow night. Uh, afternoon baseball, top of eight, Orioles four, Blue Jays one. Would seem like the Blue Jays probably would like to get that bad boy right there. Bottom of eight, one nothing, Giants at home in San Francisco over the Diamondbacks. And the finals for the afternoon, Phillies four, Marlins two, White Sox losers to the Rangers five to three, Royals nine two over the Mets. Of course, you get the Cardinals and the Twins seven forty five tonight, Reds and Cubs. Uh, that is an 8.05 get-together from Wrigley Field in Chicago. We'll see if the Reds can stop the proverbial bleeding and maybe squeeze out, at the very least, a split in this four-game series, which I think Reds fans would be incredibly happy about if that were to be the case. And tonight, Wrigley Field in Chicago. Daryl's at 239-1070. Hello. Hello. Are you there, Daryl? Yeah, you there? I'm here. Go ahead. Well, you're talking about rock and roll. There was nothing like Led Zeppelin in 76 in Market Square Arena. MSA. I think I've seen somebody that owns a ticket stub. Is that somebody you? (laughs) No, I've got a belt buckle from then. (laughs) Is it one of those belt buckles that had the one-hit pipe on the inside of it? No, it could have been used there, though. (laughs) I bet it could, man. I bet it could. Daryl, what else you got? Well, I was watching uh, 30 for 30 about uh, Michael Vick. Yeah. And it really made me think that uh, that may be what we drafted. And Oh, as far as the, uh, as far as the player, which, uh, you know, would have a flash and maybe kind of fade out is what you're, you're thinking? Somebody that's going to struggle no, early? He's going to be that. Oh, it's going, to be, it's going to be at the high level of, of Michael Vick is what you're thinking about when he was playing at a high level. Yes, yeah, I mean, it, his physical traits and stuff, man, he could really probably just break loose and and. Well, I, I mean, certainly you know, on the field at his highest level. Daryl, thank you for the call and the memories of Led Zeppelin in 76 at MSA. But, I mean, if you can put together that level of athleticism, uh, both through the air and and right now, what you got to figure out is you got to really zero in on. And we bring this up all the time. We kind of laugh because, you know, it's it's things that they say in football. Uh, the the catch window. Um, if you can, and this is what everybody says that has watched him so far. If he can put a harness, in this case, on his touch, and be able to to put it in the general vicinity of where he wants it, which is not there yet, pass to pass. But if he can do that, that opens up just a myriad of possibilities uh, with the Colts believe in mind as to why they drafted him at fourth overall and believe he's going to be the future. Because he's got he's got all these, essentially all these other incredible gifts already going for him. But the whole ball placement, 
what was it that Levis called himself before the draft? Ball placement specialist. If he at any level whatsoever can become a ball placement specialist. Now, right now he's at times he's, you know, he's shooting a fastball about, you know, 10 yards over the head of dudes. Having good moments and bad moments, which is exactly what you expect. But if if he can harness that and become anywhere in the general vicinity of ball placement specialist, then you're going to have something. Uh, Bill's up next at 239-1070. Hello, Bill. JMB, how you doing today? Bill, I'm great. Bill, would you like to know where we're going tomorrow? I sure would. Okay, well, let me uh, let me know, and uh, let me give you a little insight as to our location. I'll hit you up, man, for sure. And uh, I'm going to try to uh, give people a, a hint. I just don't know if it's cool with the homeowners yet. <laughs> so I'm going to make sure it's cool with the homeowners. Because, again, it's been good the other times, but one time in particular it didn't go that well, and I want to make sure it's not that. So, yeah. Well, just got to make sure that the homeowner is cool with somebody trudging up there with a walker. I mean that could that could man. that could bring down the whole crowd. I'm telling right you away, what, though, so. man, that, that you you with the uh, with the knee replacement surgery, you are going to feel like a million bucks here relatively soon. So can't wait. Getting, getting close, man. Getting close. Hey, I wanted to get to get your take on a couple of things. Yeah. I, I, I just saw something on ESPN scrolling on the bottom where there's a the CEO of the Green Bay Packers is somehow involved with this Northwestern hazing scheme. It, it, all I saw was the crawl, and that the Northwestern hazing scheme of these players was that they made the Af- Afro-American players mandatorily enter a watermelon-eating contest. I mean, I've seen, I, I, I looked that up. I confirmed that a couple times. If that is the case, if that is real, if that if that is true, then Northwestern needs to be either suspended. I, they, they didn't have the book thrown at them in, in this day and age. To do that, and then, and then the guy Fitzgerald, who was trying to recruit players, obviously trying to recruit Afro American players, and if he knew about that, then how was he going to sit in somebody's living room? And and, and well, I mean, he, he he he's probably not going to in the future. I mean, obviously, with being and and we'll see where all this is going because you know you're you're getting kind of new things coming out on this, and certainly uh, this going to court. And, you know, a couple of different ways from former players. And, you know, it's it's really it is opening up like other aspects of that, you know, within their university. And then we see it now even more frequently around around the country. So, yeah, you, you, it, it, it does. I mean, it does open a lot of eyes to what what does and can and has gone on for years in, in some places. And I, I doubt if Pat Fitzgerald's ever going to have that opportunity again. Don't you? He probably won't. And yeah. uh, so, what else you got? That, but the, it was, uh, my apologies to Scott Long. But uh, what, what's the deal with the Iowa Hawkeyes and the uh, Iowa State Cyclones and everything? They were shaving points. <laughs> there, there's, there was some deal where they were they were shaving points, or, or there was some points. Yeah, you got. Uh, yeah, you got uh, the, the the players betting. Yeah, I mean, you, and, and again, hey, Bill, this is somewhere where we knew we were all going to end up, right? I mean, just well, like yeah. we all knew we were going to end up where Isaiah Rogers ended up. I mean, just. Uh, notwithstanding, we knew we were going to be here at some point. So, 
Well, it's a uh, and it's, it's realignment. Like, what's your opinion on, on realignment? I mean, it's, it, it obviously it's all money that Apple TV deal and all this stuff. Oh, you, are you talking about uh, conference realignment here? I, I, yeah, I think the Big Ten's going to end up with four more, right? The Big Ten's going to end up with Oregon and Washington. Like, if Oregon go, or I should say, if Washington goes, Oregon's going to go. Uh, what Cal and Stanford maybe logically as well. Uh, Arizona, Arizona State ends up going to the, to the Big Twelve, which has now been rejuvenated, and the Pac twelve essentially goes away. I don't know what that you know leaves you know for Oregon State, Washington State, uh, what it leaves for uh, Utah, for example. But it, it kind of seems like, and then obviously Florida State's going to want something new. You may end up having you know your Duke and Carolina, for example, in the Big Ten one of these days, and maybe ultimately Notre Dame as a part of it one of these days, as we've seen with Pete Thamel this afternoon. Notre Dame suggesting that you know nothing that's going on right now is going to change their status. But yeah, we we shall see because again we're moving around those chairs in college athletics school was. Yeah, and, and yeah. as an IU fan, I can't tell you how excited I would be to to see Notre Dame on the schedule every year. Maybe I, they could do that in between Michigan and Ohio State. I, I'm pretty excited about seeing IU playing in Eugene, Oregon, one of these days, aren't you? No doubt. Okay. Yeah, it's, it, it, as a part of conference play, yeah. <laughs> so. It's all part of market share and money and everything. Yeah. And and are are the players still not getting paid? Enough? I mean, if they're, if if college if they, if the college realignment is is worth this much money, and obviously it is, then you got to pay these guys. Yeah, going to, and, and Bill, um, hopefully I see you tomorrow too. Thanks for the call. I got to hit a break, but you're going with the the conference affiliation that brings out the most money in this, especially with television revenue and the like. That's where you're going, and we're seeing it happen again. And goodbye to the Pac-12. Let me take a break. We'll come back, close out this show, maybe get to gym, hopefully, before the top of the hour. Get you set for tomorrow's Backyard Bourbon broadcast on the road. It is in Noblesville with Jeffrey Lawrence coming up tomorrow on Yacht Rock Review. Tickets, opportunities for you as well. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Tomorrow, Backyard Bourbon Broadcast in Noblesville with Jeffrey Lawrence. <laughs> Michael Lombardi tomorrow. Phil Steele tomorrow. Do we know about Wells? Probability on Wells. Hashtag ask Pat tomorrow. Pat Sullivan tomorrow on his birthday, by the way. And uh, the return of Bob Lovell coming up tomorrow as well. So Bob Lovell, a high probability of Mike Wells, three-time loser in our annual smoke-off from ESPN Radio. Hashtag Ask Pat with Pat Sullivan, Sullivan Hardware and Garden. Phil Steele will give you all you need to know. You will need this conversation with Phil Steele tomorrow. It gets you updated on everything college football. Purdue, IU, Notre Dame, Big Ten, National Landscape, Heisman Trophy, repeat opportunity or not, new faces, new places, including players and coaches, suspended coaches, new era at quarterback, Ranking Marvin Harrison Jr. compared to the past. Ooh, man, tomorrow. Hey, by the way, that was Herb Alpert. Rise. That's Yacht Rock. Number 9, 239-1070. Yacht Rock Review. That's a week from Saturday. 
TCU Amphitheater. It's going to be a blast. Thank you, Live Nation. Shout out to Jimi Hendrix for that. Speaking of Yacht Rock Boss Gags, last night down at Brown County Music Center, my neighbor, Jeff Watson, took me down there. Shout out to Jeff and a shout out to Christian Webb. What a great setup they have at Brown County Music Center. Uh, tomorrow's going to be a big day. Stephen Holder today, Mike Chappell today, podcast 1075thefan.com. James, great job from you. Tony Donahue, thank you for taking Blake to cross-country practice at Ron Colley today. Appreciate that very much. To all the listeners out there, you guys are fantastic. Tomorrow, listen to see if you can find where we are. Jeffrey Lawrence, Backyard Bourbon Broadcast in Noblesville. It begins tomorrow at 3, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Fantastic job today.